Hey, welcome to the Tom Golly official podcast. And uh, with me today is an awesome, awesome friend. He is a worship leader, songwriter, singer, musician, uh, ninja, mm -hmm. uh, soldier of fortune, um, winner of the best beard of the day. Um, I mean, compare me to him and he wins the beard game. <laughs> I just started it this morning too, so it's pretty. <laughs> Hands down. But uh, with me today is Zach Loomis. Welcome, Zach. What's Thank up, you, man? Thank you, my friend. Loving life, living, loving living life, it, man. So, what do you what do you have going on these days? You're you're worship leader at Cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've been everywhere, and I think we met we met online. We did, yeah. Uh, just through you know different songwriting circles. Mm -hmm. I think I was in Ohio still when we met. Oh, okay. And uh, was up there for a little bit, and then what part of Ohio? In Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. So. My parents are pastors, so we kind of traveled around everywhere. And uh, so I lived in Ohio and did the whole, I was a worship leader up there for a long time. And uh, moved from Ohio to Nashville, met my wife, uh, and then to Greenville, South Carolina for a few years, and then back. So we came back to Nashville uh, in April oh, wow. of this year. Okay. So we're at Cornerstone Church down there, uh, just north of downtown. So was it the, um, was it the, I guess that position, the staff position that was available that brought you back to Nashville or was it? Yeah, we didn't even know they were looking. Oh, okay. So we were, we had bought a house in Greenville uh -huh. and was, you know, we have a little, uh, he'll be three in February, little boy, Charlie. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife, Emily, I said like, this place is, we're in the mountains. Mm -hmm. We can be 20 minutes from any city kind of where we're at in, in greenville i said we can like put roots down here yeah so let's just do that and uh it was uh it was the first weekend of january of this year yeah i'm scrolling through facebook you know like you know how you're falling asleep and you're just mindlessly like and then it says suggested friends so i'm like looking at all these people i'm like don't know that guy i'm um, yeah. you know don't want to be his friend what, whatever yeah. you whatever your mindset is and I see uh, our, our now pastor, Pastor Galen. I'm mm. like, Galen Davis. I know that name. So mm -hmm. click on his profile. And I had known uh, the worship leader previously at Cornerstone. Really awesome guy. Great songwriter. Like the, the sweetest of sweethearts. Mm. And uh, so I clicked add friend, just not even thinking about it. Because I'm like, we have so many mutual friends. Right. So that next, maybe within the hour, I get a uh, message from, hey, man, are you up for a phone call? Mm. I said, no, because it's, <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. Like, dude, I got to be up in, you know, six hours and sing for the next, you know, whole day. Like, I'm going to bed. I said, but I'll call you tomorrow night. So I'm laying there. I, I lean over to Emily. I'm like, he's going to ask if we want to, like, come come for the job. Yeah. Or even not knowing really what's going on. So that next night, all day, like, I'm leading worship in Greenville going, like, Okay, be in the moment, but what? Why is this guy wanting to call? Like, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, so we meet that day, and previous, like before the call, I said, I really, really hope I don't like him because then it's a reason. If I don't like him, I don't ever want to work with, like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to work for you if I don't like you. So a 30 minute phone call, supposedly a 30 minute phone call, turned into like four hours. Oh, wow. And uh, and I really, really liked him. So he his first thing was like, hey, like, we have seventy applications here on my desk, and you're not a, you're not in here. Mm. Like, why why aren't you applying for this job? And I said, first off, I don't even know who you are, bro, and I don't have 
any inkling to look for this. So I gave him the very, very good church boy answer and said, well, I'll pray about it and like, yeah. I'll get back to you. And usually when you say that, it is a total cop-out. I pray about it and then you're never going to hear from me again. Yep. Oh, yeah, I get that all the time when I try to book shows yeah. at certain churches. We'll, just, we'll be praying about it. I'll get it. back to you. And yeah. then you're just like, see you later. Yeah. So I did, and I really prayed hard about it, but I told I was kind of having this conversation with God if if it can't be like a united front with uh myself and Emily like I don't want to I don't want to do it mm-hmm. because I don't I don't want to drag her to Nashville for my sake of, oh I'm just being back in Nashville. Yeah. And then in 5 years she resents me and then you know she's living a life that she hates. Yeah. So I said, God, you got you to tell both of us. And uh, so I was kind of a, a done deal after like maybe three or four phone calls with Pastor Galen of like, I love his heart. And um, then I had the conversation with him of like, he goes, hey, have you told your pastor there? And I said, heck no, I haven't. Because as soon as I tell him, he's going to say, you're leaving. We got to find somebody else. And then if you don't follow through, I don't have a job. And I said, dude, I, I grew up in church. I know how, I know how yeah. things can play out. Mm-hmm. It could also it, it could also create just you even having that conversation of hey I I might be looking to leave can all of a sudden trigger a very toxic oh yeah environment yeah. I wanted to avoid it and that's what I told him and he just finally said he's like dude he he is your shepherd you have to go and so I went and uh, his name is Pastor Josh and he like just a big sweetheart yeah walk into his office and you know if you've ever been on any kind of staff or team member like comes to you and said, hey, can we meet before this meeting? That's never good. No, it's never good. No one just wants to hang out before a meeting. No one wants to go to the meeting in the first place. Right. So I walk in, I sit down, and he's like, so when are, you, uh, when are you moving? Huh. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if he like could like tell what was going on or, but I think God just was placing those like getting things ready for the move. And, uh, so yeah, so I said, well, I feel like God's calling us, and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to make it weird for you. And yeah. he's like, yep. Yeah. He goes, it's gonna suck that you're gonna go, but I feel like it's the right thing for you. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I gotta get confirmation from Emily. And a few weeks later, of praying and fasting for it about it, and really just talking to other people, she just <laughs> one day in passing, she's like, yeah, we're gonna go, huh? I said, I think so. And she's like, yeah, we're going to go. Let's do it. So we came in April of this year. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So I, don't, I didn't realize it was that recent. I, I thought you'd been here for quite a while, actually. No. I mean, just with, like, li- how life feels like it's sped up, there's moments yeah. where I'm like, man, I feel like we just got here. Or another uh-huh. staff member the other day was like, how- so when is your year mark? And I was like, well, it's not until April. She goes, wow. I feel like so much has happened, you know. Like, yeah. And, uh so we love it. The church in Greenville, super awesome church of, you know, 250, 300 people. Yeah. And uh, Cornerstone is right around, you know, 2,200, 2,300 people. And, wow. uh Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a learning experience because all of my churches growing up, they've all been like super small. Yeah. You know everybody in the church. Mm-hmm. So that's good and bad. You know everybody's business. You yeah. know everybody's... Um, and now it's like I meet people every week. They're like, hey, man, my name is blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know, just sheer size makes all that happen. I used to like going to small, being part of small churches. And it's it's tough because, you know, like my la- the last couple times I've been part of small churches, it's just like right away it's like I'm I'm too much for them. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, I got ideas I, or I got great ideas. And it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. How, how you know, how how do we do that? Well, I can do it. I'll do it. Set it yeah, up. Yeah. 
And I'll set up tomorrow. Let's go. And they're yeah. just like, whoa. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. We got to have meeting after meeting after meeting. And I always get st- stressed out about, like, when a bunch of people are getting together who have no idea what they're talking about. Sure. Why? What are you meeting for? Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, have the meeting of, you know, can we afford this? Yeah. Not, like. Because they, they, they get overwhelmed by how technical it sounds to them. Sure. And they're just scared. So they, ah, oh, we're not doing it. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I mean, literally, I, I've, I've butt heads with pastors over like, hey, you know, we can, you know, we, we, like, for instance, we used to have somebody on the stage running slides. I'm like, hey, man, you know, for like 60 bucks, we can get a $200, a 200-foot, um, like, HDMI cable and then move that to the sound booth. Yeah. This way it's not, you don't have somebody aside the stage. And, like, I butt heads with him because he was, like, they made a big deal of it. Well, to, to run the wire, oh, my gosh, we need an electrician. No, you don't. It's yeah, a suspended yeah. ceiling. Sure. Get get a ladder and two people. We're done. Well, change, change is never Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just so, it, and a guy like me who's just a make-it-happen type guy, it's just those small churches are tough. The big churches are tough for someone like me because, um, you know, the, what happens is, you know, then it, it's a to me. And this is just my experience. It may mm-hmm. not be your church, may sure. not be all churches, but some of the big churches, it becomes instead of the small church with one board, it's like a big church with many boards, multiple levels, multiple yeah. levels, multiple hands, multiple people, and it's like impossible. It's like cool. You can get this. The worship pastor can trust you wholeheartedly, but lead pastor, who who? Yeah, yeah. Who are you talking? Who whose idea is that? Who's sure. gonna do it? I don't know him. Like. Yeah. So it becomes a very um, weird dynamic for someone like me who I like to get my hands dirt. Yeah, yeah. To the point where you know, um, I mean, again, uh, it, it, I have I have sort of a checkered relationship with churches for a lot of reasons. Sure. And it's, um, I mean, I, I think churches are an amazing thing, but it's just it's it's tough because I I, I often you know I get people all the time who are like, well, how could you be in ministry and not have like a home church? And I'm yeah. kind of like, well, what home church do people? Did Paul have? Yeah, yeah. Where was Peter's uh, home church? What, totally. Tell me, you know, what was his staff position there? Yeah. None. These guys traveled all over the place and, you know, just did what they were called to do. And that's what I kind of feel like my calling is to, sure. you know, kind of help out here, help out here, help out here, and just be that, you know, yeah, and yeah. then surround myself with some very, very spiritually strong people to yeah. have that church like accountability and, totally. you know, things like that. So, but I mean, so for you, being on staff, obviously, you've seen a lot of that good and the bad and the mm-hmm. ugly of some stuff. Yeah. What what would what would you say is, for, at least from your perspective, because pretty much I've, it's interesting how from person to person, the problems with the church are, um, it just it varies, you yeah, know. Yeah. So what would you say as as far as the problem with the American church is today? What would you say is one of the biggest things that. That the biggest, what are you, what would you say is the biggest problem with the easiest solution mm. that just gets brushed over? Well, I think there's a lot of problems, just like anything. Because sure. I think when, when people get involved, you know, I, I'm like, I'm a loner. So I can mm-hmm. go away. Like any vacations that we try and plan, I'm like, let's just go away from people. Yeah. Because I, it's easy for me to pull away. And, I'm most creative when I'm alone. And mm-hmm. then I take ideas to people and go, what do you think? Yeah. And like as a fellow songwriter, like you realize like sometimes it's just easier to sit in your own brain for a little bit and work out an idea mm-hmm. 
rather than take it to two other people and then be vulnerable with somebody. Yeah. And they go, oh, that's it? Like, I've been a part of those, like, songwriting sessions where you're like, oh, my God, like, I just, like, bore my heart to you. Uh-huh. And you literally looked at me and said, oh, man, this is going to be a long four hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, but as far as, like... I, I've been in one song, right, where I had only really one that I had something kind of like that. Really? And, <laughs> like, the unsaved New Yorker that I was once was... Yeah. Thank God he wasn't in the building because I <laughs> ripped I, someone's head off. I wanted I wanted to hit him. Sure, like the, what was said to me in that moment was like, "You deserve a beating right now." Yeah, yeah but I'm yeah. I'm gonna let it slide because grace we're, and mercy. Because we're at Kingdom Songs, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, we're at Kingdom Songs, and there's a lot of people around, and I want to come back tomorrow. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I get that, man. Yeah. Sometimes that's really hard. Yeah, mine was at, at Capitol in Brentwood. I and I was like, I was, this was maybe 14, 2014. So it wasn't terribly long ago, but definitely in a season where I was like the the bright-eyed, like, oh my goodness, my name is on the wall. Like, there's there's people escorting me to this studio. That's and amazing. This person who's I'm writing with, like, they are way above my talent grade. Mm. I shouldn't be in this room. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like every room I'm ever in. I'm like, yeah. why am I here? Yeah. But I remember thinking, like, man, this is crazy. Mm. And every insecurity is popping off of my brain. So this person was late. And, of course, I'm like, oh, my God. So I, you know, I wait. And, like I said, told him, you know, the song ideas. And that comment was made. And it just it deflated everything I had inside of me. And I'm like, for, so for the next four hours, you know, I'm writing. And he's like, what, what, what do you got? I'm not telling you anything anymore, you know. But then yeah. I took that same idea. Uh, do you know Benji Cowart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I took that same idea to Benji Coward and uh, Dwayne Laring. And I said, hey, here's an idea that totally got shot down by our mutual friend. Like, what do you think of it? And then that song, like, made the album I was working on, you Uh know. Um, But as far as, like, the American church, man, I look at it like it all boils down for me, my perspective of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Without it, it like it's gonna be just a big stew of people problems and craziness that goes on, but I know as as a worship leader in my lens that I look at every weekend of a room that feels like an arena because the state the the building's so big and I come from you know I was so used to leading a a church where I could look in the eyeballs of every single person and now it's like man that that back row is like you know how you doing back there you know. Without the presence of God, right, it's just a song, and right. and that's you know that's a that's a very large statement to say, and there's so many facets of like man, without the presence of God, we're we're nothing. But it it really is. I just keep coming back to it, you know, mm. and we've where we are where we're at as a church right now, and as a people and as a team. So we, our team has close to a hundred people on it on the worship team. Mm. So there's no way I'm going to, as one person, satisfy everyone's opinions of what should be happening. It's just not mm-hmm. going to be possible. And as a leader, I have to be able to accept that. You know, having lunch with all these different people, like, wow, why, why aren't we doing this? Well, there's only so much we can do, you know, and there's only. And so we just walked through a season of, you know, my heart has always been songwriting, always will be songwriting. 
So when we came in, man, we're in, we're in music city. What, what is God saying to us as a church? Just because we're a big church, we yeah. don't have to be a label. Just because we have a lot of resources at our fingertips, we don't have to release music. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the stat is how many songs per day are released on Spotify, like thousands yeah. and thousands. So it's it's literally not even a pebble in a waterfall. Right. But it won't ever stop us from expressing what God is doing. Right. So, I mean, we, I came in and I said, here's my heart. I want to release music. And people are like, well... We've had our worship pastors before. A team member say they want to do that. So, well, we're going to do it. You know what I mean? So we started releasing. We released one song in um, October, October 1st, called Emmanuel. Uh-huh. Did an album for it. And uh, just, you know, just the simple phrase, Emmanuel, God, he's with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we've walked through as a country and a world, and we're still walking through, like, if God is yeah. not with us, we are screwed. Yeah. So we released that, and then that next week, our full-time uh, sound guy, his name's Charlie Tualatai, he he got COVID. Oh, wow. And, I mean, this guy, you think like a total BA, like total man's man. And, you know, has he's a war veteran, has all these medals, carried people out of buildings while the buildings mm-hmm. are exploding. Just a guy you want in your corner. He texts me, he's... While he was in the hospital, he said, I'm not, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, just keep fighting. Keep fighting. His wife, Kara, runs our uh, choir. That reminds me of a song. Hmm. <laughs> hey, go ahead. And uh, he has three, you know, three young boys. And I'm like, you know, there's too much life to live. And so we, we as a church, we went into this, you know, mm. absolute prayer of our lives. Of like, you know, God, you have to move in Charlie's life. And, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, so... We, his last fingerprints was on Emmanuel. He passed away. Uh, I think it was. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it was early. Uh, I forget the date. But the crazy thing is, God's timing of everything just kind of wraps around and continues to blow my mind and blow um, our team's mind. Um, so when we when we came to Nashville, I told Pastor Galen, I said, I have all these songs. I have a Dropbox folder. Of probably 400 songs mm. and they're not all finished you know you know how songwriting goes you mm. go i have this idea it's not a fl- fully flushed out oh yeah so i said i'll give you access if you want to hear these songs it will be you will it's like a glimpse into who i am so before we came he's like i like this song i like this song this song's crazy this is bad and he's like you know give me a hard time and he's like there's this song called homesick like what what are you doing with that one and it's just, you know, it's, it's in the title of I'm longing for heaven. There's got to be more. It's a universal truth of, like, even if you sit could sit here and say, I don't know who Jesus is. I know nothing. I don't know about, I've never experienced the good and the bad of the churches we're talking about. But there's deep down, when I lay, when I put my head on the pillow, there's got to be, I pray there's something more. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, I, I wrote that song six years ago, and it never, it just never came to the surface. And he's like, you should do something with it. Yeah. So as soon as our friend Charlie started getting sick, that song just kept coming to my brain. And um, Charlie ran sound for the Katinas for 25 years. Okay. And then came full-time at the church. So a couple of the band guys from the Katinas, um, they live up on the north side of Nashville as well. The Katinas are down in Franklin, yeah. traveling, all that stuff. This, so they they came off the road. So I was lucky enough to inherit some of 
some of those amazing musicians. They have, they have engineers in different studios. and So I finished writing the song while Charlie was in the hospital, and I took it to a guy named Paul David, and who he is just an amazing person, just the biggest talent. Yeah. And I said, we got to record this. We have to, like, we have to do something with this. I don't know when we're going to release it. I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do with it. So we recorded a full version of it. I had some guys in town play, you know, just outsource some drums and just to make it as cost-effective as we could. Mm. And the day we finished recording it is the day Charlie passed away. And then the day we released it was Charlie and Kara's anniversary. Oh, wow. So you kind of go like, man, God, I don't know why. I don't know why you took Charlie. Yeah. And, it, you know, it kind of makes me mad. Yeah. And selfishly, I go... <laughs> There's a list of people I could give you that you could take. Why right. did you take him? I know that I believe me. I, I get it. Like, yeah. That's a, I've I've had that conversation with God many a times in my life. You know. Yeah. With like, like you know, I, I was I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't necessarily a. I, I don't want to say I wasn't a believer, but I was definitely wasn't a follower when sure. my dad passed away when I was in my early twenties, and mm. it was just like, you know, why yeah. my dad? Why not so and so's dad? Who's yeah, it makes you know, no sense. Who's a this and that, you know, and he's just, that's not a good man, but you took this good man. Right. You know, and then kind of with my mom, it was like, you know, you took this woman who would give you the shirt off her back, would do anything for anyone, you know, um, and why not, you yeah. know, someone who's not that, you I know, don't, I, don't get, I get that. And that's a, that's a, that, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it's like, you know, for, um, you know, just for someone to, to lose a child and, and have, and, and have that, that conversation with God, like, why? Why not me instead of my child? Why not let my mm -hmm. child? Live, totally. You know? Yeah, totally. and, you know, to go back on something you said earlier about the, um, like, got to be something more. Man, it, like, it's like you're you're in my brain somewhere because I, a lot of times, I'm just like, there's, there's got to be, not only just there's got to be more, mm -hmm. like, this has to be for a, like, all of this has to be for something. Like, sure. you think about, first off, like, the odds of, even just I look at like inward from from being like inward, it's like you look at the odds of of becoming human. Mm -hmm. I, I think I heard it said recently that like you have like the odds of you um I think the odds are better of you four times in your life picking the uh like the the um what is it? The uh, final, like the Sweet Sixteen sure. oh, uh, yeah, yeah. bracket, March Madness. March Madness. Like yeah. you can pick that bracket accurately four times in your life. Uh, like you have better chance of doing that four times in your life than becoming human. Like by the stats, like oh, actually wow. waking up as a baby. Yeah. And it's like mind blowing. It's like, yeah. well, that has to be. There has to be a reason that you're here. I'm here, and we're doing the things we're doing. Yeah. Um. And and you know. It, I heard I heard a quote. I know it's from a movie that that came out, and 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 it's it's really got me thinking. But basically, it's a it was a movie about like well, the God was visiting this journalist or whatever. So oh yeah, yeah I saw, and he I saw says that. something to the to the kid about like life is not a an audition for the afterlife. And I started to think about that, and I'm like, that's what Grace is telling us. Yeah. That so okay, if my life is not an audition for the afterlife, then there's got to be a greater purpose to our lives yeah. than just be good. Yeah. Stay safe, stay home. Yeah. That's a dig on all the nonsense going on the last yeah. two years. Um, there's just gotta be something, a 
something bigger sure. and greater than this, and it all has to be for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I cling to that. I just, yeah. but it's still the mystery of what that is is yeah. frustrating. Totally. And it sounds to me, and I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Yeah. But it sounds to me like if you're having those thoughts, you might have the similar. You lay your head down in a pillow. Mm-hmm. You lay down. You're about to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, the panic. What if? What if there is nothing? Sure. Whoa! I freak out. Then I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah. That that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. That it's just it just that doesn't make sense. Sure. You know. So it's kind of like. Okay, let me and I start reminding myself what the scripture tells me yeah. and and how that actually makes sense to me. Like, you know, why is the moon, the stars, the why is all these things working together the way it does? Well, yeah. because God put it that way. Yeah. You know, and I, I I literally have this whole thing that I go through whenever that thing pops in and it's like there's got to be something more. I don't know what it is, but it just has to be. Mm-hmm. And it's um but it's weird, man. Like it, and I'm glad you shared some of that stuff because, man, I've been in song rights where we talk about this exact thing. One time, sure. I, I out of nowhere, I was in a room for like four or five people, and we're all just kind of talking about songwriting, music, and God. And we're four or five people writing together. Well, we had. So what happened was there was three so of us that writing. Like a nightmare. Well, there was three of us. There was three <laughs> okay. of us writing, and then two people popped in to visit, kind gotcha. of unannounced, which wasn't okay. But we were like, hey, we were gonna get lunch anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, long story short is like I kind of broke the silence at one point with, hey, guys, um, you ever like been laying down and just all of a sudden you freak out like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die one day. And what if there's nothing yeah. like everyone's like, yeah, dude, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'm just like, why don't we talk about that? Right. Why? Why? why don't, and like, why do we like sh- I feel like one of the things we do as Christians or even it happens in church, whether we mean to or not. But like if you have doubt, there's something wrong with you. Sure. And I just think it's so normal to doubt or question or even be angry at God. Like, that's so part of the walk. Yeah. And I don't – I mean, some make an argument that even 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 Jesus himself doubted on the cross. Like, why have you forsaken me, God? But meanwhile, like, the hyper-spiritual would be like, but God will never leave you and forsake yeah. you. Like, so it's kind of like even Jesus had a moment of, like, yeah. what the hell's happening? Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I think if you look at Christianity as a – just a behavior modification religion. Yeah. You're going to be like really frustrated all the yeah. time cuz I'm not a do's and, I'm not a do's and don'ts guy. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell me, "Hey, don't go over there." All I can think about is going over there mm-hmm. cuz I'm like, "Why?" So if I look at it from that angle of there's this laundry list of things I can't do. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah. And you know, like the Bible says work your work work out your own salvation. So you have convictions that I don't have. Yeah. I have convictions that you don't have. I don't think it's work my salvation out to a point of like do I really believe in it? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But work my salvation yeah. is a daily here's things I can't do, here's things I can do. Yeah. So like growing up, I'm sure you probably felt this too or in Christian circles going leading at events for some reason, drinking is always put on this pedestal of like, mm-hmm. don't do, don't do, don't do. And do I agree getting drunk is right? Absolutely not. But I've never had the conviction. Like, my parents have been pastors for almost 50 years. Mm-hmm. And growing up, that was the thing. Don't have a beer. And right. I'm here as a kid. I'm like, I can't wait. Because I yeah. just want to see what it's like. 
But I know drinking for me is not a conviction that I go, oh, I can't do it at all. Yeah, I agree. But I know that the things I put my eyeballs on, that's a conviction. Yeah. A daily like, nope, don't do that because I know myself. Yeah. I know where I fail come up short. Oh, totally. And, uh, so I, I always, when people are talking about that kind of stuff of, you know, we have a lot of people, even at our team right now that we're pastoring, it's a lot of new converts. Mm-hmm. And I get texts, hey, I messed up. I did this. I'm like, get used to it, Bubba. That's going to happen all the time. Yeah. But it's a constant, like, Christianity is such an inconvenient religion in a thought process of in our day. You know, I I feel like Christianity should, it needs to have more of a, I, I wish it was taught more in the vein of, like, when, when you know, you coach, you, you teach kids baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Striking out is part of the game. Yeah. You know, some of the greatest hitters in the game have a batting average of 3.8. Yeah, yeah. That means that they fail way more than a they. A lot, yeah. Right. That's part of it. It's part of it. And, I mean, th- I think that the mistake that a lot of people make, and, and again, someone's probably going to watch or listen to this and go, you're wrong. And, and listen, I'm willing to be wrong. Just, just disclaimer on Tom Golly Official Podcast, we're talking about ideas, thoughts, and feelings. We're not, this is not a preaching show. Sure. So, don't, you know, I mean, I'm not a financial advisor. Don't listen to anything I say. Uh, so just a little disclaimer there. But ultimately, <laughs> though, I, I wonder if, like, if we'd stop ramming the, like, the the idea of being Christ-like is being sinless. It's yeah. like, I, I don't think, I think we meant, the, the idea, is, and it's be Christ-like in his thinking, yeah. in the way he treated others, yeah. in the way, in, in, in how how deeply he, he, he held to his what he believed to be correct, which mm-hmm. um, I think those are the, all the ways to 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 be Christ-like. Whereas there's just this idea of like, well, you have to be perfect. You can't mess up. Yeah. You know, if you mess up, then like you have to start again. And it's like, I I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I look at and if you really look at the scriptures, you see what you know his the the twelve men that followed him constantly screwed up, and they were never told you have to leave the journey, man. Yeah. I mean, and we that is the journey, and we see this in churches all the time with church staff. Oh, you messed up. You need to step down, you know. And it's like, whoa, 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 okay, maybe needs to take a break. Yeah. But by like, I I see, like I said, I see a lot of fundamental flaws within a lot of the way that Christianity is taught. And you know, granted, I wasn't raised in church. Sure. And uh, you know, I definitely came out of the world, um, which, (laughs) you know, I have I've had friends who are former friends who that's been a sticking point between us. It's mm-hmm. like, well, they were raised in church, so they know better than me or, yeah. you know, and I'm often like, you know, listen, I, I mean, I had this conversation with a friend of mine who always thought he knew better, was more spiritual, was more deserving of being, of, of leading worship than I, mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been leading worship since a kid. I I've known God since yeah. I was a bit, it's like, listen, these merits that we put on. Well, th- this was this is something I said to him, and and, and I, I firmly believe this. I go, listen to me. I go, I, I came to Christ at 29 years old, okay? I know what the world tastes like. I know what it smells like. I know what it looks like. And yeah. guess what? It smells good. Sure. I, I, it ta- I, I could still taste yeah. what the world is like, how the power you feel sometimes, the thrills you can feel. I turned away from it. For God, I know what I'm saying no to because yeah. I've been there, done that, yeah. bought the T-shirt, have the scars to prove it. You don't. Yeah. yeah. That that's where 
you are in, you are not superior to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's so it's it's you know to me again it's just like you know one person's seen the ocean, the other person's read about it, mm-hmm. right? Sure. To me, one's no better than the other, but just because I've read about it a million times versus you've seen it, yeah. that like hey, you're 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 right on par, man. Yeah. But it's it it's interesting because man, there's such a there's just there's such a caste system within the church of of this kind of thing of of just there's crazy hyper spiritualism there's sure. i was raised in a church you weren't there's all these things and ultimately man at the end of the day we are all just absolute failures oh yeah and that's okay yeah yeah and i grew i mean unlike you i grew up in it yeah so but the thing is i've made all the the, yeah. the mistakes mm-hmm. i mean how you were talking about being disqualified like five years ago in cleveland I disqualified myself, not anybody else, from mm. a choice that I made. Okay. And had to step down. And it and it felt like the entire world crumbled. Now so, I will say that's a mature and smart decision knowing because you have to you have to know you. You have to do what's best for you in a lot of situations. Yeah, I mean I did it was yeah. it was a made choice for me but, for sure. But it was like Sure. Um you know, I had put out an album uh in twenty sixteen, a worship album. Yeah. And all those songwriting sessions of the guys being like, that's your best idea. It was working up to this thing. Ah, gotcha. And, um, and you know, doing concerts and leading worship, it's a very strange job mm. because you're literally standing with a guitar with lights on you saying, hey, it's not about me. It's oh, about yeah. Jesus. But right. also you're the guy on stage going, hey, follow me as we follow Jesus. So it is 100% about you and 100% not about you. Right. So just accept it. So been there, man. I mean, first time first time I had uh <laughs> Austin from Seven Time Down, uh he he designed and and produced a uh a 15 foot by 12 ba- foot banner for me. Yeah. Um to you know take out on the road tour. And He drums for them, right? He does, yeah. yeah. But he also does some graphic design yeah. work and stuff. He's he's an amazing friend. And um the first time I cranked that thing up on the truss I just happened to catch the fact that I'm putting this huge right. Tom Golly logo in front of a cross. Strange. Oh yeah, that's crazy. And I'm like, I don't know if this is okay. Yeah. You know, I so I, I get the struggle, yeah. and it's like, but then you know somebody had said no. Actually, the pastor of the church, I even said to him, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know if that's okay. I'm like, it looks cool, but I just put in front of the cross. It feels a little weird. Yeah, but he said, you know what? He goes, here's the thing. He goes, it's okay. And because he he knows my heart, and he goes, man, he goes, everything you've told me, he goes, good news. He's like, he's like the the way he put it, and I'm just I'm kind of paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but he said something to the effect of like, I know your heart, and I know that a big part of you wants to reach the guy who like I was, who wouldn't yeah. be caught dead in a church. Sure, they ain't gonna look at the cross. Yeah, so you're putting you're putting yourself in between that person in God yeah. so that they'll look at you long enough to see the cross that's behind it. Sure. Totally. And it's like, that's cool. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Plus people, I also realize that people don't realize in my Tom golly logo, you actually up there, there is a cross hidden in it. It's that, that's spe- the T the top of the T is specifically oh, yeah. designed that way so that there is a cross hidden in the logo, but it's not super obvious, Yeah, yeah. but it's there. That's cool. You know, um, but yeah, I totally understand how that that that, yeah. that can be a problem. Now, how how did that how did that manifest itself into into a problem for you? Well, you know, I was I was writing full time. So, I'll back up real quick. 
I wrote in 14, I started writing for real, for real. Always mm-hmm. writing songs. I was always in really bad bands, playing bass <laughs> or playing drums. Drums was my first instrument. But then I realized I'm just the guy in the back sweating while like everyone's paying attention. <laughs> and I'm like, screw this, man. I got to go up there. And uh, so I started writing um, in 14 really serious. The church had done a project before that that I wrote some songs for, but they were pretty much like, a church project where like here's a song and no one really looked at it like does it flow it's mm-hmm. just oh jesus great. is my you friend got a song. Yeah. i have a friend named jesus <laughs> yeah. he's like a mountie and uh so i met a guy do you know john hartley do you know that name i've heard the name i just can't i can't put my finger yeah, on yeah so john john is like a really kind of like father of not modern worship but like the worship leaders who brought the delirious guys so, like, when Tomlin was starting out, John, oh, okay. John would hire him to do some background vocals when when Tomlin was, like, not doing camps and needed money. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Well, Tom, Chris Tomlin needing money is a very, very. There was a time. That time is not here. <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> Those days wa- are not around right now. I wonder if he has to have a garage sale to get extra cash. Right. <laughs> what if he babysits? No. <laughs> but, uh, so I met, I met John Hartley. Because our pastor wanted to do another project, which mm-hmm. I was totally for. So mm-hmm. John and then um, a couple people from Capitol were in Columbus for this big event. He's like, we're going to go down. We're going to pitch it to him. Like, here's, we'll show him all the analytics of what we've done, which were nothing because, you know, they we're just put out church project. Mm-hmm. And he had great intentions. There was nothing totally. wrong. And I was just like, great. I'll, I mean, a free meal. It's right. great, man. I don't care. I'll go, I'll go for a car ride. So we go down and, you know, I'm if I'm walking into a room, I'm never the guy owning the room at first. Right. I'm an observer, and then if you say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" You have welcomed yeah. me to that conversation. So I'm quiet, and I because I know who these guys are. I know, I know their connections, and mm-hmm. so our pastor was given the spiel of where he's like, "This is where and spiel's a bad word. It's heart of what he feels like God is going to use us in Cleveland to do." And it was all great, and I'm excited. I'm like, this is great. This is, I didn't even know half of what he was trying to pitch. This oh, is awesome. Wow. And uh, so John, we're eating dinner at this really fancy place, and he just kind of stopped, and he's like, so what do you want to do? And, you know, it was like that moment of, like, whatever this answer is, it's going to carry some weight. Hmm. So I, saw, I sat there for a second, and I said, man, that what he's saying sounds awesome. I said, I just want to be a part of what God is doing, whatever that looks like. And I said, God has called me just to write songs. Not only if five people hear them, if five million people hear them, I'm still going to write. I'm still going to work out my salvation through these songs, you know. And uh, so we we leave, and I'm thinking, man, nothing came out of that meal for the church. And I'm like, I hope this doesn't backfire on me like that I sabotaged what our pastor was trying to do because it wasn't my heart. So a few weeks go by and I was meeting with our pastor and he said, hey, he, John Hartley feels like you should do an album. And I said, yeah, but I don't really see myself. We were talking. I don't see myself as, as an artist really. I just, yeah. Cause like that, to me, that carries this, like, I'm not a salesman. So it's oh, yeah. hard for me to walk into a room and sell, like sell myself. Like, mm. like how you're saying the banners, I had a big, a big banner like that and selling CDs and you're trying to, and it's one you're just making money. You gotta you gotta make money to live. I get that. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to keep the engine running. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was, I'm never good at that. Um, right. So he said, well, if you want to pursue an album, let's go for it, bud, and let's do it. And he was super awesome about it. So I called John, and I'm like, I'm going to send you 25 songs that I've written that either we've done in, this, in the church here that I feel like are really going well or that I'm really jazzed about. So my thought process was, I'm going to send him these 25 songs. He's going to go, oh, my God, I love every one. We're going to do you know, a double album, or we're going to bring you here and connect you with all these writers, and Tomlin's going to record, you know, five of your songs. And Wow. It's, it, I've, had, I've had that same fantasy. Yeah, and it 100% <laughs> is. Because then, you, you know, you have someone who, one, has the heart to look at you and say, this is bad. Yeah. That's what you need. Except in my fantasy, um, they kicked Mark Hall out of Casting Crowns and gave me the lead singer oh, spot. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a crazy. That is a good one. <laughs> like, hey, you know, I mean, might I'll, as well, right? I'll, I'll take that money. I can sing courageous. <laughs> yeah, taking back the fight. I'm I can you right do. Now, it. Scars in Heaven is a good song. <laughs> oh, um, dude. Even if you don't like them, that's a good song. Yeah, I mean, dude. They, they, their songs are are uh, most of them are timeless. And yeah. They're so well done. Yeah. Man. Just, so don't fire Mark Hall yet. You can though. I'm, you do. I'm the numbers on the looking screen. Looking at the camera. I'm available. The numbers available. on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So I sent in a bunch of songs and uh, a couple months went by. I didn't hear anything. Mm. I'm like, this jokester. Like, so I call him up and uh, kind of was like, dude, at least a phone call. Oh. And uh, he's like, well, actually, we're going to meet. So I, I meet with him. And he goes, you have about two good songs. I'm like, what? Are you crazy? Have you heard this one? Yep. You have two good songs. Two fully developed ideas uh-huh. that are good. And he goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write for one year. So John John is an avid writer. Yeah. He, I mean, he has written with, you name him, written with him. You know, and uh, very connected. But he also is a guy who doesn't want to just write another song. He wants to write the song that, is a God song. It's like, you know, when you hear, um, oh man, there's so many, but like when I hear, um, what a friend I found closer than a brother, the delirious song. That's like, to me, that go, that's a God song because it's not him trying to be like, how clever can I be? Right, right. It's just the truth of it. Under a melody that you're like, feels like a blanket. So I was like, I want to write those God songs. And he challenged me. And he goes, we're going to write for one year. And he goes, don't, and it, I, I wasn't signed to a publishing deal yeah. then. And, and I told him, I was like, well, sign me. Sign me to a publishing deal. And he's like, no, you're not ready. So I had to, like, chew a lot of my ego and pride. Yeah. And I said, you know what? All right, I'll write you one song a day the whole year. You're going to get in your email every day. And he's like, bud, that's a lot of songs. It is. And, you know, John is probably now he's in his mid-60s. So he's very much my dad's age. So I look at him as, like, that yeah. kind of. Friend, father figure. Um, and so I said, screw that, dude. I, you're going to get a song a day. Yeah. So, bro, I wrote one song a day. Wow. And I'm sure after, you know, 30 songs, they just were just recyclable of like, oh, you've, you've done that. But I think my stubbornness just said, oh, I can do it. Yeah. But ultimately, you're showing him, like, okay, you, you, you know, you, serious about you, it. you want me to work out? Cool. Like, I'm going to flex it. this muscle yeah. for better or for worse. And songwriting is a total muscle. If yeah. you don't do it for a while, it's really hard to get back. But yep. then you have guys like Michael Farron, who we know, mm-hmm. who he's a genius. Yeah. The first time I wrote with him, it was he. I hate you. I want to write with Michael. Oh, <laughs> he is. 
he's one of those guys that you you go, All right, what are you feeling? And I said, well, I don't know. Like, let's just, let's talk, let's hear each other's stories. So we were telling each other, you know, our life stories a little bit, getting to know each other. And he's like, I got an idea. And he sits at his computer and starts playing. And I'm just sitting there like in awe because then he just wrote like half a song. That is really good. I'm like, dude. It's just, that's Michael. And then he goes like, what what do you got? I'm like, I'm just taking notes of how you're doing it. So, Michael, I stole all your ideas. Anything that comes out of me is probably from Michael Farron. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, you you could be like his half-brother. You guys, like, you have kind of got a little family. I'm sure there's something. Yeah. I did like this like bald head like filter once, and it was like me with a bald head with yeah. my glasses on. It was like a at a at a like an event I played, yeah. and uh, so many people commented like, "Oh my gosh, you look like Michael Farron." I don't think I look yeah. like Farron, but in that particular picture I did, it was. Funny. I had no choice to go bald, man. My pops is bald. My brother mm. held on to his hair for a long time. Yeah. Finally, I was just like, "We gotta shave it." See, I, you know, it's interesting how many great songwriters are bald. It's almost like the hair, it, like having hair gets in the way of the God ideas, you know? <laughs> the, the Bieber flip. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. but Yeah, so like, so in all of that, writing with, you know, Michael and Benji, it was like, it was a year of getting my teeth kicked in, of like mm-hmm. thinking I was to a point here, but I was really like way back here still. Yeah, and, but uh, the fact is that you got to, you got to, you got to like hone your craft in the presence of great, like in the room with greatness. Oh yeah. Where a lot of people have to continue to hone their craft, hone their craft, hone their craft before they're ever even get to have a conversation with one of the people you just mentioned. Yeah. And that was, that was all because of John, like him and you, you know, well in, in the industry and I hate that word, but it is an industry. You have to have someone who champions you. You have to have someone who's going, yeah, believe in him. Get get in that room. Yeah. Because it's really hard to be the guy going, hey, over here. Yep. I'm over here, you know. Yeah. Rather than someone with merit going, hey, you need to listen. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was a year I got to write with, a, I mean, a, a cast and crew of people like that just didn't make sense, like Stu G. We wrote mm. the, the song that I took to Stu G in his studio, which was kind of as a church kid walking into like, it was like a delirious museum in his writing room. And I'm oh, like, I can imagine. Yeah, this is awesome. And he's like, do you want to play that guitar? And I'm like, I know all the backstory of this guitar. It was on this album and all this stuff. Oh, wow. And we wrote the- Fanboy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he was like, when we came, when we moved back, I called him. I'm like, Stu, would you come lead worship with us at Cornerstone? He's like, yeah, of course. Just give me some dates. And I sent him a bunch of dates. And I said, you have no choice, but we have to do Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? And I and like I know it's an like a lot of churches don't really do because you know you you're just doing what's the popular thing at the time, but bro, I, we opened up that service with that song. One, everyone loved it because it's just awesome. Two, I'm sitting there like, what the crap am I doing up here with Stu G right now? This right, is so dude, I have a funny story. I'll tell you the shortest version of it I can about that song. Yeah. So, uh, I'll be honest. To this day, I've never I've never heard the song. I've actually never heard that song. Yeah. I've heard of it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Now. I did hear it once. <laughs> um, so uh, back on Long Island years ago, before I ever moved to Nashville, um, this church was looking for a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And I responded to an ad thinking, oh, this might be a cool opportunity. Well, yeah. you know, no, it was a volunteer. It was like, oh, we're looking for a volunteer worship leader. It's like, <laughs> well, I might consider it. It might be a good outlet, a place to, you know, kind of, you know, wor- just hone my craft as a as, as a singer, as an artist. Sure. All that. So I, I went and checked it out, you know, and... You know, I had this great meeting with the pastor, and it was like, oh, this cool dude. I get this guy. You know, this guy seems to get me. Let's yeah. let's do this. Great. So I show up for the first day of rehearsal to meet what 
you know, the band that they had, which wasn't much of a band anyway. They they had some guy who I, I don't even think was a believer. Yeah. Who just was looking to play drums. Sure. And he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, and what I found out was, oh, you're not looking for a, a real worship leader. You're looking for a worship lead singer. Mm-hmm. Because I came in with songs I wanted to do and everything like the pastor had led me to believe. Yeah, yeah. No. It was the pastor's wife was mm. in charge. Gotcha. So the problem we ran into was she had this book full of sheet music and songs um, from when her daughter was the worship leader. Mm-hmm. So all the songs are in girl key. Oh, yeah. And they can't, she don't know how to transpose. Oh, yeah. So it's like, here, we're going to sing this song. So like, okay, in order for me to sing it, I have to sing down here yeah. and make it work. And I'm like, I can't sing that high. Yeah, you've been so, all day. Yeah. So one of the songs that she want, wanted to sing in that first rehearsal I didn't make it to halfway through the song before I honestly just walked out. Really? I just walked out and never went there again. Um, I, I I hate that that's how I handled it, but I just didn't know what to say or sure. what to do. I'm like, this is not what they said it was going to be. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I got to go. Yeah, and I just left. Tough. But, you know, I don't know. She starts playing the piano and she starts singing, Don't you hear the mountains tremble? Oh, oh, I'm like, I, I, I'll go. be right back. I, I left something in my car. Out, out, see ya. I'm like, I can't. And it was nothing against her, anything. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, uh, so anytime I've heard anyone reference that song, I just think of that. that. flashback? Because I'm like, how, what is this? Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't do it. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I actually thought about going back to my old church after that, which I had a bad experience with um, just, man, me and the pastor were like, he was like my dad for like two years. Yeah. And then just, you know, thing things were a lot of things were changing in my life and sure. I felt like he was trying to control it and it just turned into passive aggressive Facebook posts back and forth oh, nice. pointed at each other and it kind of reminded if you ever been a wrestling fan they had Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin oh, yeah, yeah. It, that's what like it became it mm. became me versus him he'd be in a during the sermons he would tell a fictitious story about somebody and I knew he's talking about me and I'm like you're back in the back. Wow, you know, yeah, beers. I'm back in his office like, hey, man, what? why would you do that? Why? Oh, well, no one knows it's you. I'm like, but why would you do that? I you know. know. Yeah. yeah. We, we, so it was tough, but yeah. we reconciled since, and he, I love him so much. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was, it was, he was trying to help me. Sure. In the only way he thought I would get through to me, and, and I love him for that. Sure. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it was the wrong call, but, yeah. you know, um, I mean, just nothing but love. But at that time, it was like, Maybe I ought to go back there, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, then all of a sudden, I found myself within a month of that situation finding the call to I, maybe I should be in Nashville. Yeah. And my wife and I were like, you know, we had a lot of life conversations before we got even got engaged, and it was like, yeah, I think Nashville's where I'm going to end up. So I'm not going to really, really like, you know, cling to a church and be part of anything. Totally. So let me see what happens. And then my friend of mine, who's also a worship leader, in another church, was like telling me about all the problems he had and his personality is just not like when there's pushback he just caves and he's like I don't want to cave anymore I don't know mm-hmm. what to do and I'm like dude I'll come and be like your boy and I'll do the things you want to do and let them hate me for it sure like I'm leaving who cares <laughs> you know I'm the bad cop you yeah. can be like I'll talk to him and that's what we did and we were doing amazing things because I would you know I would make changes to the soundboard because or the, even just the way things were wired up because they were done wrong sure and when he would address it, they would be like, it's right. And he's like, no, it's not. And they they know more than him. So yeah, he, yeah. I would just go do it. Yeah. 
And who changed this? Oh, Tom did. Well, it sounds great, right? Yeah, it does. They wouldn't undo it. Yeah, yeah. But who is he to do it? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll talk to him. So that was the game we played. Yeah, was ex- I can't control the guy. I don't know what to do. And the exhausting. pastor, the pastor loved it. Okay. Pastor's like, I I love what you guys have going here. I'm in support of because we we got we brought him in on it. We're like, look. Yeah, yeah. Tom's kind of bad cop. You know, he's that renegade robot cop that you mm-hmm. know we you know I'm not going to do anything. The pastor says no. Sure. But it's like, you know, we're we're gonna make we're gonna force some change yeah. and. It's not going to fall back on the pastor. It's not going to fall back on Jimmy. You know, they're the ones who are going to kind of be trying to explain it, back yeah. it up, or go, hey, look, give it a chance. If it's a problem, we'll make Tom change yeah. it. And I gave a lot of time. Yeah. I bought a lot of gear to make the church better because it's like, well, the, the board it doesn't meet for a month. I'm like, well, we need two mo- wedge monitors now. Well, instead of tithing, I'm going to go buy those wedge monitors and hook them up. Just make it happen. Call it a day. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, so I, I totally am uh, like, Man, all that to say that um, you know that 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 um, can you hear the mountains tremble? I guess in a way, sort of changed my life yeah. and changed the church <laughs> sure. on Long Island. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you were playing that on um, w- with Stoogie on stage, and yeah, he came in because he has a whole like Beatitudes project that he did with. All yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I I I sampled some of that, and I was just like, yeah. I G is one of those guys, man, that just. He's a, he's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. anytime I've seen I've seen a couple podcasts where he's been a, a, a guest on, and just a special dude. I, he's I, a sweetheart. I need to reach out. <laughs> yeah, he yeah you you totally should. He uh, and when I told him, I said, "Hey, would you come and co lead worship with us?" Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, of course." And I said, "And would you preach?" So I mean, the dude was working oh. that day because I said, "The Beatitudes Project, we need to hear it." Yeah, as a church, and uh, you know. When you get into a room that seats, you know, 4,000 people, it's easy to turn it on and be the guy. Mm-hmm. And But Stu is not that. And our church, you know, you have to, like, lean in to listen. You have to. And it was so healthy for our people to actually, like, kind of, like, mm-hmm. and not that our pastor, by any stretch of the imagination, is, like, hype, hype, hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I mean, Pastor Gillen has a big personality, and he's fun, where Stu is, like, you know, everyone's dad. He's just... What seems cool about Cornerstone is you guys seem to have um, no problem bringing in outside, like outside people, you yeah. know, to do things. Whereas a lot of churches, I hear that all the time. Like, try to book at a church. Yeah, hey, we wanted to come do a special event, or hey, we, you know, we'd love to come and do worship on a Sunday morning for you. Yeah. And it's like we don't bring in outside people, and you know, I mean, sometimes I get these long-winded emails about how, like, you know. We only allow people to on microphones in our church after they've proven this and they've proven that. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no. So seeing how you guys operate over there, it's it's yeah. it's pretty. It's it's kind of I hate to say it, but it's rare to see. Yeah, you, which that. stinks. And you had Tim Tebow come in and speak, didn't you? Yeah, he came in this past summer. Oh, and it was man. cool. I was on the road. I wanted so bad to be there. I, I was on. I had a gig that weekend, and I was oh, just. No. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. And, and well, I, I didn't tell my wife about it. I'm like, my wife, I'm not sending my wife to go see Tim Tebow by herself. Just not. He is not ugly. <laughs> no, um, he's, dude, I, like, if, if I can look like anybody, I'd want to look like Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, he was a sweetheart because the church, I mean, obviously, people of that caliber and that name, it costs a lot of money to bring people in just from that, from a mm. business side. But Cornerstone has a huge uh, special needs ministry that mm. before COVID, obviously, and I even just hate saying it because you just have to like bookmark history now. Mm. Pre-COVID, during the week there'd be you know fifty to a hundred 
just kids then plus yeah. their families who they would do lunch for them and cornerstone's property is it's insane like there's a two-story playground and upstairs where their kids meet it, it feels like a dave and busters it's just amazing that's awesome and they they would use this ministry you know if you have this big building use it mm-hmm. so Tim Tebow kind of heard about that, and he was already coming for an event in Nashville. Oh, cool. And uh, so they just kind of called and said, here, we have this going on. Would you want to be a part? And uh, he came. He was super sweet, really cool guy. And um, But, yeah, our church our church is great because it's one of those, like— I love reading the hate comments that I see when, like, videos where he's been preaching. Oh, you yeah. know, it's something that's like, uh, why does he have to wear such a tight shirt for? It's I'm like, you, if I look like him, I wouldn't wear a shirt <laughs> Are you crazy? Sh- shirtless pastor. Are you? Yeah, oh my word. Just wear a loincloth, you know? There was, yeah. <laughs> you can write all the comments you want if I, if I look like that. No, but I, I do get a kick out of all the the like the hate comments sometimes he gets. And it's just like, man, you don't have a case on this guy. This guy is a good dude. Yeah. You know? Or you don't, um, you don't even know him. You know of him. You know of him, yeah. Perceptions, and that's a sad thing. Perceptions are reality. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if I have one interaction with you that's rough, mm-hmm. My perception is he's just a rough dude. Yeah. But that's not the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I get that. I get a bum rap a lot because, you know, maybe people see me throw some shade at a friend, someone I know, and I'll be snarky or rude, you know? Um, Like, I have a joke with a friend of mine. Every time he posts a comment, we have a private joke. He does it to me, too. We just say, boo this man. Yeah. Like, he posts a video of him singing. I'm like, boo this man. And there are people like, he's a jerk. Like, it's it's funny. It's actually a quote from a movie that he and I have seen, and it's, we're, we're boys. Relax, you know? Oh, if people saw my best my best friend is in ohio and if people saw that text thread of like how we talk to each other people go oh my god are you okay and i'm like no because yeah. i have that relationship with them oh yeah and uh like whenever i answer the phone when i'm when no one's around and i have a, my business partner answers calls me like you know, it's not safe for work. The what I'll hey, oh, what's yeah. up? What's up? And I'll call him all kinds of different names. He does it to me too. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just it's endearing and it's fun, but it's, it's private. So but but if someone had overheard that, be like, wow, that guy's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. He's so mean. I'm like, no, no, he's not. Yeah. Say, so I get it. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but like, even like we were talking before, I, I come from the mindset of you don't have to believe before you belong. Mm. So like with our sound sound guy Charlie passing away, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, because it's like it's. I don't have to. You don't have to believe everything I believe, mm. but just come be a part. So when when Charlie passed away, I mean that's a full time job. We have two campuses. Yeah, all these events going on. He was setting up gear, all the time. All the time. Sound checks, rehearsals, like the expectation. If you have, you know eight people on your front line, a full band, a choir coming in. Like, there's a ton of pre-work that you have to yeah. do to get ready. So we're, like, we're, we're calling people and pulling favors. Hey, can you come fill in for this weekend uh, until we find a long-term plan? So a girl on our worship team, she's like, I have a buddy. He's really, really good, but he's not a believer. Oh. And I said, why is that even a hiccup? Yeah, right why now? is that really a hiccup? He, he so, can provide a service that yeah. we need, and he's willing to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, she's just saying no. She's so she's such a sweetheart. She goes, I just don't know. He may cuss around here, and I'm like, Yeah, so will I. <laughs> totally, about? man. Totally. And uh, I said, What better <laughs> What better place mm-hmm. to have someone who's really burnt by not even the the Christian side of music, mm-hmm. but the the music of scene in Nashville mm-hmm. 
like a Broadway guy. That's is so a Broadway guy where I met with had lunch with him. I'm like, man, you smell like really good whiskey, mm. and it's like 10 a.m. Like, so what better place to have people around us going? All right, now you're gonna like be in a rehearsal where yeah. one there's gonna be really cool people who are not gonna sit there and go, what is his deal? They're gonna ask you about your tattoos that are wild. They're gonna ask mm-hmm. you about you know your, your new outlaw country project that you're that you're doing that that is killer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so it's like walking those it's walking those roads with people of like, I don't want to be, I don't want you to be my robot, right? Because if you believe the same thing I believe, I have no conversation with you, right? What's the point of that? No, hundred percent. I fully agree with that. Yeah. yeah, and like going back to like everything as far as like my story a little bit like. I think I got caught up in the world of affirmation. You know, you, it's really fun when someone tells you, you're, you're really good at that, mm. over and over and over again. Yep. So I spent that whole year writing. Um, and so the church, the church where I'm a part of now is a part of the Assemblies of God. It's a nomination. And John Hartley was putting together this network. He just, he's, a, he's a networker of people. Mm. A network of worship leaders of the bigger churches who are like have resources to do things or who are have good songs. Mm. And the Assemblies of God put together a record label. And you think like it's kind of cheesy, but then I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, they have a reach of millions of people. Yeah. Like this is if this works out, this is gonna be great, you know. And uh wasn't uh if I'm not mistaken, I know that uh there's a this worship duo, they're actually from Long Island, too. Uh, Brad and Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, I think they're part of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brad and Rebecca are awesome. So, um, yeah, it, it's a fun, funny story. Say, uh, they're, I think Brad's dad. I forgot you guys were in New York. Boys. Yeah. Uh, Brad's dad was um, a one of the associate pastors. I think still might be um, at uh, Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle in in um, New York. Oh yeah. And um you know when he was a kid growing up, he took uh vocal lessons from one of the other pastors' wives who was the same vocal coach that I worked with early on. Oh cool. Uh she taught a very choir like vo- thing. It's sure. great for a beginner singer. Sure. You know, and then like when you get into singing more commercial pop, you, you, there's definitely different techniques you have to go and learn. Totally. But but it's kind of interesting how I, I I met him once. They had an album they put out called Acoustically Acoustically Inclined. Oh, and yeah, they, yeah. they had a performance at the church and yeah. I met him once yeah. that was it but and we've interacted occasionally on on, on a Facebook but yeah it's it's yeah. That's we've done a lot of pretty compil- cool like too. compilation stuff we've done yeah. two or three with them they're really good really good at what they do man. yeah they're very cool people very real down-to-earth people yeah and uh, so I would have them when I was a worship pastor in Cleveland they would come in and lead and I'd be like I get the weekend off this is great yeah so I would we were a part of compilation albums and I was kind of one of, I wouldn't say the first, but one of the first guinea pigs of this label. And it was very well, well-hearted, well thought out on the front end. Yeah. But just like anything, the back end is where all the work is. So you get all the songs, release the album, and it was kind of like, all right, we're done, let's move on. But I'm like, well, there's a lot more marketing. There's a lot more of these things, mm-hmm. touring and stuff like that. Um, so we released the album. Uh, it's called Captivate in January, January 15th of 2016. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, did some, you know, that's kind of how I met my wife. I came down to Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, their worship pastor, who is now my brother-in-law, was preaching, and they needed a guy. So I got a call, hey, would you come down? I'm like, yeah, I can make a weekend out of it. I can write, I can do all this stuff, see my little sister. She lives here. Came down, led worship that day, um, and saw my wife at the merch table. And we had some mutual friends because just in the Assemblies of God world, it's not that big. And I'm standing there by my little sister, Hannah, and Hannah goes, that's your wife. I said, no, she is way out of my league. Are you crazy? I can't, I can't even talk to her without going, oh, yeah, I know I know Chase Wagner too. Like, you know, like, <gasps> you know, being a goofball. So I did what anybody does now, and I follow her on all social media stuff. And <laughs> You mean you didn't walk up and go, sup? Baby, my name is Zach. Lewis. No, I do not. I'm the lead singer of the worship band, baby. She would have laughed at me, and it would have been, yeah. So I messaged her, and I, bro, I did this thing, and because that that was in May, mm-hmm. and that June I was going on a five week tour in Germany. Oh wow! And uh, so I did like, hey, I'm gonna be in Germany. Like I'm gonna be on tour. I'll I'll hit you back when I get back in the states. Kind of a big deal. No, you know, you know that's such like a d bag kind of thing. Yeah, right? right. Like, hey, I'm in the studio yeah. working on a project. I hit in you the back. studio is like a milk crate with a mic in it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the studio. You ever see the meme back in the day with like a Fisher? It was like a Fisher Price Bro, thing. That's my studio now. Are you crazy? <laughs> so I went to her Germany, and she read the Facebook message, but didn't respond. Oh, so the, finally, oh, that's the Nashville response, I <laughs> right? It. Yeah. So finally, my now brother-in-law said, "Hey, you need to like, you need to message him." Mm. So just we just started creating this relationship, just over texts and calling each other all gotcha. the time. And inside of that, was still doing doing uh, worship leading on the weekends, of mm. course, but traveling, doing those things. Yeah, yeah. And like we were saying, there there are certain convictions that I know that I have and I don't have. Yeah. And I had never built, like, safety rails in my life at that point because it was always, like, it was such a supportive church up there. Like, I could have burped into the microphone on a Sunday. And, oh, my goodness, what a songwriter you <laughs> He's are. He's so funny. Yeah. With that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was, like, this weird mentality of, like, this is awesome on every level. And, uh, yeah, all of that. So building my relationship with Emily and then – uh Made a stupid decision with another female. Oh. And then then you know how you know how when you mess up, you, you want you don't want to admit it and then you start trying to cover it up and like you're like then you become this like weird I became this like deceitful like trying to like cover my tracks. You know, everything's gonna be okay. While yeah. you know, doing things with people with the op- opposite sex is a really fun thing. Sure, sure. And um, so then it kind of came just, you know, it came to the surface one day. Actually, uh, you know how in life you just have dates that come up. Yeah. It was December 5th of 2016, right before Christmas. Oh, wow. And it came out. And I had to, one, confess it to the worship team, the the, the church I was a part of. Now, you were married at the time or no? No, we, no, were, just, we were just dating. Okay. And uh, so I had one tell Emily, hey, yeah. here's what's here's what happened. Here's what has been happening. And the grace that she extended and mercy. Of course, there was moments of like she was like, dude, screw you, pal. Like you crazy. Yeah. Um 
the church I was a part of in Cleveland, you know, it started out as a home church and it built up. So I came on board when there was maybe 80 people. And by December 5th of 2016, there was 1,800 people with five campuses and had all these worship leaders underneath me. And so, again, those didn't help the compounding of feeling like the guy and big boy on campus. Um, So there was that thing of, like, God brought darkness to light, and I had to get healed from it. And uh, so I knew at that point, and I'm, I'm... I'll be 36 in February, so I'm not I'm not an yeah. old guy, but I'm not a young guy either. And I knew my time. I had to make a decision. My parents were campus pastors. Yeah. At this, so there, there was a lot of like things where it felt like, man, the world is caving in, and, it, and to an extent, it was caving in because it had to. Yeah, and, and and I'm sure in that scenario too, like, I mean, you're probably also trying to ju- you're probably finding ways to justify it in your own mind that it's not a big oh, deal, it's not a problem like i can i mean not that i've been in this situation but i can imagine if i was and that's one of the reasons why i'm so highly defensive yeah of, like i make sure i don't put myself in those kind of positions because yeah. i already know kind of type of guy i can be i probably would be like you know in your shoes i probably be like well i'm not married yeah. what's the big deal mm-hmm. you know um i probably would have come up with a million reasons to just yeah. kind of bury it you know yeah i tried but then you know yeah i had that accountability of like even even my best friend uh paul who i had hid things from yeah just cuz you know being sneaky's fun man mm-hmm. until you get caught and then you like realize how gross it is and it's yeah. like so I had the decision. The pastor came out to me, and he was very sweet about it. And he had, you know, he was devastated because the church had invested, you know, time and resources, and then the the assemblies of God had signed me to a label deal, and I had distribution through uh, Sony Provident. And like the the wheels were moving, and then I'm like, well, listen here, I it was on me, y'all. So uh, so there was like that next year, so 2017 was a like rough hard year mm. as far as finding out who I was without a guitar in my hand yeah or now you said uh, now you said Emily showed you a lot of grace and love yeah and, like did, did she end the relationship then or there was a, there was a time yeah there was a, okay yeah there was a time over uh it was probably and she's such a sweetheart she she still sent me a Christmas gift <laughs> you know I'm like I'm sitting in Ohio trying to figure out what the next step is and I get you know this I'm a big like Butch Walker fan of like and he put out like all these singer songwriter albums that were just killer and you know she sends me this bundle of vinyl and I'm just like I'm I'm the worst human alive and she's still yeah know, being a sweetheart well she didn't hate you she hated what you did oh 100 percent yeah 100 yeah, percent and uh, so I, I I kept texting and calling her of and we we'd have conversations of like she's like well I'm not moving to Cleveland. Yeah. And I said, and I said, good, because there's really nothing in Cleveland for me. Yeah. She said, well, she goes, I'm actually moving to Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. And I said, great, that's close to Nashville. I'll, you know, I'll pack up my car and I'll go. And I, I moved in with my little sister and brother-in-law. I'm sure, I'm sure they enjoyed that time yeah. period of like, you know, they're. So well, you, so you essentially made sure she had a front row seat to your growth and change. Yeah, by, by by trying to by wanting to stay close to where she was. Yeah, and she 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 wanted it too. Yeah, she, she wanted yeah. to be a part of it too, which was that's I mean that's amazing. That's yeah. I mean, dude, you're you're a blessed man. 
Oh, for a that. million percent. And she's she, maybe I hope she, maybe she realizes how blessed she is that you were the. I mean, a lot of a lot of men don't want to, especially. How old were you at this time? So I was right at thirty. Yeah, I mean, shoot, twenty nine, thirty. We're still kids. Yeah. You know. Um. I mean, you were willing to, you know, be like, hey, I want to, I need to be a better version of me here, yeah. and, and willing to actually put those work, the steps in, and the work in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people won't do that. A lot of yeah. people will just, you know, nothing wrong with me. You're the problem, you know, and and yeah. that. So that's me. You sounds like you're both pretty amazing people. Yeah, so. well, I lived that. Yeah, pushing that everybody's a problem, and then the day clicks where you go, maybe it is me. Yeah, you know? no, I went through that with, you know, I mean, I found myself. I've talked about this multiple times in other episodes with people. Seems like this is a common theme with relationships. Seems like the truth is, I'm learning about most most people. Relationships are a problem for all of us. Yeah, and uh, you know, I found myself much surprisingly um you know my wife and i never fight suddenly we get into a fight and like the d word came up and i'm like wait what yeah what what are you talking about you know and it was like okay now to be fair it turns out that was just an extreme word used to like okay i want to show him i want to get his attention show him how frustrated i am you know and you know of course you know, that first session, it's sitting there like, you know, she does this and she does that and she doesn't do this and she does it. And it's this, this, this. And then you're hearing the same thing about yourself. By like session three or four, I'm going, interesting. Everything I don't like that she does or says or this is always a reaction to something I did. Right. None of the, th- maybe one or two things I have a problem with her doing is not, but the bulk of the problem is, oh, I'm creating this. Mm-hmm. I'm creating that reaction. I, I've created that level of frustration by ignoring this thing time and time and time and time again, where it's to it's her, it's like, up. yeah, it blows up. And it's like, yo, I'm the problem. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and on top of that, it's like, I'm the problem. But also, like, we as a couple never really took the time to, hey, just so you know, when you when you do that kind of thing, I don't know, you don't mean to make me feel this way, but it makes me feel this way. And having that conversation is like, yeah. oh, I never meant to feel that way. What's a way you what's a way that would effectively communicate that to you so sure. it doesn't? Yeah. And we have those conversations and they feel they felt weird at first, but now it's, it's like, like normal. Yeah, but it's now it's like, whoa, what what she just said really made me mad. Why and I start thinking, why did it make me mad? And it's like, okay, the way she came at me probably was not like that it, it probably and i have to start thinking and this is what i've had to learn to do what happened to me in my life that this is making me because for me i realize i have a lot of triggers yeah you know so like for instance if something if something goes on between maybe my wife and one of her one of her siblings it makes me like i'm ready to like bite yeah. the jugular vein of her of her <laughs> of her sibling yeah why do i feel that way yeah it's because i have stuff from my siblings and it triggers it totally so it's like i have to i have to sit there and go okay wait it's not that yeah yeah you know and i yeah it's totally and that's that's i think that's an incredibly groundbreaking thing for us as people and as men is that like wait a minute like this is a me problem first all Mm, you know and 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 i need to recognize it and it's hard to recognize it it is and it took it it when i came down here i remember moved down um, in January of 2017, and I, the th- and like growing up in church, weekends were like the Super Bowl. Everything yeah. led up to the Super this the weekend, so you just put this big emphasis on church. 
Mm-hmm. And I met with a pastor up in Clarksville for coffee. And I was telling him kind of the story, and I was very raw. And he said, well, why don't you just come and sit in church for the next six months? And I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of what, that's my identity. I was like. It's hard to do. It's hard to it's do, hard. especially coming out of that. And, you know, so I, I did it for, I did it for a while. And I said, I said, it's not a thing of, I need to be on the stage at all. I just love, I love serving. Right. And I saw needs where I go, I, I could be your backup guitar player. You yeah. Know? I don't need to be the guy. And that's so me. hard to do when even then it's like, okay, I'll just come sit in church. And then your mind starts seeing the whole, you know, like what I always say, the, the like for me, it's always I I, up, I see where the Tom Golly sized holes are yeah, yeah. that I can fit right in and make yeah. an impact. And, you know, yeah. like whatever, whatever that thing is, I can make it better. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's on stage. Sometimes it's like, man, get me behind the board. Totally. I, I can make I can mix this way better than what's going on. Or I can, you know, or I can hey, I can rewire this up. And, yeah. you know, that's a real problem for me because. Yeah. My biggest issue is again. I I tend to um, focus on those things, and the work, the serving God sometimes gets lost sure. in the fold. And and you know, I always come out of it like, um, it, man, it it's <laughs> it's kind of like uh, you know, my, my relationship with churches are kind of like um, like a Wreck It Ralph. You know, yeah. ni- I feel like I'm this nice guy, good intentions, and next thing you know, you wreck the place, and everyone's like, yeah, everyone's like, everyone's yeah. like, what did you do? And it's like, what? And, and meanwhile, I was like, poor wreck it, Ralph. Like he just was like, oh, hey, guy, oh yeah. crap. Like yeah. that's how uh, that's me. Sure, just so not aware yeah. of certain things, yeah. you know. And uh, it's it, part of it too for me. Like here in Nashville, it's been tough because I'm this New York guy, and the way we interact with each other there so different sure you know like um so yeah it it, i i totally totally get what you're talking about man yeah so i spent i spent time not doing anything it was great and Uh, then just picking up odd jobs and actually um my brother-in-law jeremy he has played for everybody he's Mm. he's he started in a band called love drug back in the day he used to play bass for reliant k all these all these bands he was he's actually he's playing bass right now for we the kingdom and forgiveness <laughs> yeah oh that flat seven everyone's going to um <laughs> so yeah he he was with 10th avenue north and so he was teching for them and playing just back up yeah so he said hey if you want to hop on the bus we have a few dates that if you just want to tech he goes you're yeah. just gonna come work your butt off he goes you can escape a little bit i said yeah that's great man yeah. and you know I wasn't paying them rent, so he's like, and with whatever money you make, you can give us some rent money, you know? And they were being super sweet. So just like anything, you start like, oh, I can meet them, and maybe they'll like some of these new songs mm-hmm. I'm writing and all this stuff. And you start, like, looking for little areas. But then I kept going, nope, just be around. Mm-hmm. So I went out, and I texted for them for uh, a few months in that summer and just really just started becoming just their buds. And... I never wanted to be the guy in the room or on the bus being like, hey, uh, Mike, the lead singer, hey, you have a second, you want to hear a song? Because, you know, yeah. that's, if you've ever been asked that, you're like, I don't want to hear a song right now. Right. Just leave me alone. So I never did. And uh, or I take that, I did show Jeff, the guitar player, I, I said, I got, your, I got your song for your next album you're doing. And of course yeah. they didn't like it because it was just too worship world. So I was, it was a Friday night um, early summer of 17. And um, Jeremy and Hannah, they rented a house next door to Plum, Tiffany Lee. 
And she had a studio set up, and she was super sweet. She said, anytime you want to use this space, it's probably a room this size. Just, you know, mm. you can come in here and make noise all you want. No one will hear you. That's cool. Yeah, so she was awesome. And I said, yep. And I didn't never used it because I, I didn't have anything right. to do. I was I felt very, very empty of songs. Yeah. And uh, I used to have access to a small church that was probably maybe like three of these rooms, not yeah. very big, yeah. but it was like a storefront kind of church. I had access to it. Could it, They were like, yeah, anytime you want to use it for any reason, and I never used it even yeah. once. It was weird. like, it's weird when you have, you have this resource, but nothing for it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Like, a cup, it's like a cup with nothing to pour into Nothing it. to pour into it. And that's what it was for the longest time. And I remember, and by this time, Emily and I, we were, we were dating. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were moving towards engagement. Mm-hmm. It was a Friday night, and I said, hey, let's go. Let's just go downtown and walk around because we had no money. But we, if you walk around Broadway, people watching is free, and it's mm-hmm. it's an event all to itself. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden, like I was just sitting down and I was noodling with the guitar, and I could I felt it was the weirdest feeling of like there's a song inside of me and it's coming out today. Wow. So I call her and I was like, Hey, we can't go on our date. She's like, What are you talking about? Like I'm getting ready. I said. Just please trust me. Like, I have to go. I have to go write this song. Huh. So she was cool about it. I'm sure she was very annoyed. And she sure, said, whatever. I'll see you tomorrow. You know. So I go over to Tiffany's studio, and I just start unloading everything. You know, as a songwriter, you you know what is filler and you know what is real. Yeah. And it's really easy just to hide behind the the filler. Of like, oh, I wrote this, but that's really not me. When like you take mm-hmm. all that away, this is me. Yeah. And those are the those are the songs we love. Those are the songs that everyone goes, man, that's the that's the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a glimpse into the person. So I started writing this song, and I remember halfway through saying some things in the song that I had never done in, in any kind of song before. And it wasn't like you know these landslides of like, oh my god, no one's ever done this. But I had never done it. I had never been so honest. And I made a demo of it. And I remember listening back to the demo and just going, I caught, you know, you're, you're recording something. You're just fishing for something. You're fishing mm-hmm. for a moment. You're fishing for a vibe. That's why you do so many takes, because you want to feel the emotion of a take. Yeah. So I spent, out, you know, seven hours that night recording this song and put it in my back pocket. And I would listen to it. And it became my little anthem. It's called Walking Miracle. And I'm as a man, Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue would crush it with me on this. How do I ask? Right. And they were touring Winter Jam, and they have people coming up to them all the time, and they're they're so sweet with everyone when they when they were touring. Yeah. They take time for people. And finally, I had the guts to show Jeff. I said, "Hey, I wrote this song the other night at Tiffany's house." I said, "Can I just?" text it to you and whenever you listen to it you don't have to do it right now if you like it just say something and if you don't we're good mm-hmm. do the Nashville thing and don't talk yeah. about it so I'm setting up the stage that day I forget where we were and he calls me he says get to the bus right now so I run to the bus everything cool and it's just him in there and he has it blaring on the bus and he's like where did this come from? Mm. And I said, just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It was just me being real. And he's like, we got to record this. I said, 
okay. I said, well, I have a you know Tiffany's studio. He said, no, 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 you have to record it in my studio. I said, I can't afford you. I can't, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm about to get my car repoed, you know, mm. again. Like, I can't <laughs> afford you. It's the worst. Oh, my God. And uh, so he says, he says, shut your mouth. Don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. We'll, mm. When we get to that part of the road, we'll talk about that part. So I'm standing. We They had come back a few weeks later after that fact. They were playing Bridgestone on um, Winter Jam. So I, it was, a, you know, that show was just chaos. There's so many people involved. I yep. wasn't working it. So Emily and I just went and hung out. Standing side stage because never will I use anybody's, like, I'm Tom Golly's friend. I'm going to come back here and hang with mm-hmm. him so people, like, think I'm cool. So I'm standing off to the side, and they're about to be called on stage in front of Bridgestone. Packed out arena. Mike has his in-ears in, and he comes up and stands this close to my face. Pops his inners out, and he goes, "I just heard Walking Miracle backstage." I was like, "Oh, awesome!" And I could, you know, we can barely, I can barely hear him. Yeah. And he goes, "I finally got to hear hear you." He goes, "I've heard all the other stuff." He goes, "Other stuff, whatever." And, was, and then he jumps on stage and does the front man thing and goes crazy, you know. Finally, I get the nerve to go, "Hey, would you sing the bridge on that part?" I said, "I kind of wrote it with that in mind, but I never wanted to ask you." And I said, and I can't afford you. Yeah. And uh, so so we're, it's just kind of stopped and he paused and we're at lunch. And he goes, why would you be afraid to ask? Mm. I said, because uh, you would say no. I don't want to hear a no. I said, I'm just really, in this past year of my life, I'm really used to hearing no's. Mm. And a yes would feel really good. And he said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, can I get it in writing? Like, because just saying, yeah, you'll do it is one yeah. thing, but to actually do it. He goes, shut your mouth, I'll do it. So I'd finished it with Jeff, and Jeff is, you know, he is, he's very accomplished, and he his, mm-hmm. his list is long, and he, his gear that he uses is, he could charge thousands for a song. And we spent days working on this song. Wow. And it's very, I mean, it's an acoustic, but it's capturing the moment. Yeah. And he goes, I don't know, man. By then, you know, he, I, he should have charged me. And Jeff, don't recharge me. He should have charged me, you know, two to four grand. Yeah. Just with his time. He goes, I don't know, buy me lunch and then, like, give me, like, a couple hundred bucks. Mm. And the lifeline that they gave that they don't realize they probably gave to a kid who yeah. – or a, felt, uh, how I was living life a kid <laughs> – to just for for someone in their seat to go, yeah, you're good. Just yeah. keep going. That's that's incredible, yeah. And uh so with with no marketing and no nothing like that, it's by far like the most far reaching song. Yeah, I've heard it. It's really great. Thank it's you. really great. Yeah. Really. And uh so now I'm at a point of life, man, where now I have those boundaries. Mm. Coming to a big church. You know, when we were driving here, I was driving the U-Haul by myself, and Emily and Charlie are in the car behind me. I'm like, I'm about to go to a church with a couple thousand people every week. Am am I ready for that kind of affirmation? Am I you know, how how it was before? Mm-hmm. And I think like one because the surrendering and like being able to have a conversation with somebody and be like, hey, I messed up here. I did this, this, and this. 
and by no means am I perfect, but I still fail all the time. Yeah. But setting up those boundaries of like, I am, I am not the guy, especially in Nashville. You can come to Nashville. You can, you can in Greenville, you can be the guy. Because there's nobody who, if you, I'm a good songwriter, I can, I'm a good singer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whatever you label yourself up, you probably are. You come to Nashville as the best songwriter in Greenville, you're pretty low on the totem pole just because oh, yeah. it just is what it is. Yeah, it's it's a much bigger pond. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're a uh, tadpole, yeah, you know? Yeah, 100%. And uh, so now it's like it's fun getting <clears throat> to serve in a place where Emily, she's on staff in the worship department. So we're, yeah. we're over it together with seven other um worship leaders who are on mm. staff at some kind of level that I get to that I get to lead. So the weight of it all being on myself or Emily in such a big environment, it's just not there. Like um you were talking about Austin. So Eric Van Zant, he's yeah. he's on staff with us and he'll he leads all the time and he he pours out. He's really big into, you know, helping out with the next generation so he's he's always done those like camp electrics in town mm -hmm. and yeah i've met eric he, I, I really i really enjoy a, spending time with he him he is a stud and then it's interesting like our our vocal we have a vocal coach on staff mm -hmm. who um she helps run our front line she used to sing with amy grant full-time and oh, wow. um sting you know she's like should we just call sting i'm like do you hear what you just said should we just call sting like you know she's like oh he's just an old friend so like it's interesting. You, you got Sting lead. That would be legendary. Get Sting I, at a church to lead worship. Poop my pants. <laughs> you know what? We need to we need to find a way to make this happen. It just has. It would be amazing. Like no, seriously, we need to get Sting to lead worship on, uh, and you just need to poop on your pants. We need to prove it. We need on to video stage. this. I would I don't on even stage. care. It would just be, it's happening. Like it's happening. Yes. Yeah. Like the you know I mean it would be an eruption of. Okay. <laughs> Of some sort. <laughs> while, we're, while we're playing interruption. That's amazing, man. Yeah, but like now it's like this season of so fun of like fatherhood right now is so fun. Yeah. My little boy is just such, You have one. Yeah. Okay. For now. We have one and praying that more come along, man. Like we, our hearts even to adoption man. at some point too. I don't know. Yeah, oh, that's that's incredible. I had um I had um Chris Clayton in here yesterday, and we, we, yeah. we talked a little bit about uh, they adopted Chris. a three year old. And yeah, that story is crazy. And, yeah, it is. He didn't get too deep into the, the stories; was pretty long. But you yeah. know, I mean, just um, just hearing about the heart of it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I I I, I struggle because you know, again, I'm and I'm 41, and I mean, I have an 18 year old and a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just kind of like. I'm just sort of in the zone where people are like, I want to have kids. Oh, we can't wait to have kids. And I'm like, no, don't do it. It is. I mean, it really don't does do change it. everything. You know, I, I got to say, I, I, you know, people say, say this to me all the time and I never really just, yeah, whatever, you know, but like, it was weird, man. Like I, this, this happened this morning. Like, you know, my 12 year old, she's in seventh grade, you know, and basically just up in the morning school and it's just like, man, I had a flashback to, you know, six years ago. She was six years old, like, woke up, can't wait to go to school, running around the house, getting ready, this little ball of happy energy. And it's like, now she's 12 and everything sucks. Yeah. And it's like, where, where, what happened? Yeah. Where, 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 where'd that little girl go? Yeah. But then I remember back when I was 12, I was like, such a little yeah. dork. No, well, dude, you know, I, and I miss like, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, as a dad, it's tough because like, you know, yeah, I've got, I, I get to play hero sometimes with my, my 18 year old is now back into the understanding like, whoa, dad is a superhero. Yeah, but yeah. like from like 15 to 17, it was like, my dad's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, the last year or two things have happened where, you know, I mean, in a loving way, I'm like, don't do that or that's going to happen. Sure. Or, hey, try doing this if you trust me and she'll trust what I say to do. And, oh, my gosh, it worked. Yeah. Dad knows stuff. It's yeah. like, whew. so I'm glad she caught it early. Totally. I, I didn't have that aha until I was 30. And my dad passed away when I was 23. Oh, wow. And a lot of things that he predicted would happen. If I don't do this, Tom, if you do this, 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 and this is going to happen. Or Tom, do this, or this, this, this is going to happen. Everything he predicted was right. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. Right. What I wouldn't give to be like, you were right. Teach me now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's powerful. But it's just tough because, man, like, you know, I, again, same thing. It's like, man, people are like, man, I just, I, we want to have a baby. And I'm like, dude, it's the best part from like, yeah. from like zero to like 10. Yeah. And then something happens and, and you you're just like, a cop. <laughs> you become a cop, you become, you know, you become a, sh you know, the chauffeur, especially if you're a busy creative like I am. What, people who know me know, like, if I'm in the zone, the worst thing, you, I don't care who you are. If you interrupt my flow, I'm going to, it's, you know, you, it's almost like those movies where it's like, you ever see a movie where like a zombie's eating something and then all of a sudden it's like, mm -hmm. like that's the reaction you might get when sure. you pull me out of, you know, creativity mode. Yeah. And it's like, that's no, I get that. one of the reasons this studio exists is because it's like, I mean, I can't do, I can't, there's a lot of things I can't do at home anymore because sure. just being ripped out of it, you know? But, um. Yeah, fatherhood, I mean, it's it's so awesome. Yeah. It is. But at the same time, man, I'm sort of in that season of like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. They have opinions. <laughs> they don't listen. They argue. They yes you to death. They lie to you. Ugh. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, I'm, so it's like, so it was people like, I love being a dad. I'm like, you know, and I'm just like, you have any idea what I went through yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the mode of like, Everything's fun. You know, bedtime is the struggle right now just because you, you say it's bedtime and you're an evil person. But even, like, the school comment to a 12-year-old, like, this morning we dropped Charlie off, and he's like, he's like, where are we? I said, we're going to school. Mm. Again? I said, Bubba, again? Like, you got to used to this. And he's just so, like, he's mm. so aware, but he's so. But even, like, having walking, just walked through, like, losing a friend with Charlie passing away, the sound guy. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to leave my Charlie like these legacies of like you don't have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I've never written a spoken word song. I sometimes I think spoken word can be really cheesy, so I've just never done it. And I'm like, man, I don't. I I want to write a song for my son, but I don't know how to do it without it just being either over the top, like Hallmark, really cheesy. I don't know where that balance. Mm. So I said, I'm just going to write him a letter and then just, just speak it. And, uh, so it's gonna, we're gonna, I'm actually wanting to release it, um, in the new year. I gotta figure out how. And it's just that it's just me talking to him as a dad of like, Hey, you're going to screw up a, a lot. Mm. You're going to screw up big time, but guess what? It's okay. Cause you're not alone. It's like every big failure, failure that I've had, even like five years ago, I thought like, 
I thought everyone in the world, everyone in the songwriter world knows what happened to me, knows blah, blah, blah. But I'm going, mm-hmm. no one cares because they they got stuff going on and they're doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, you know, spoken, speaking of spoken word, um, like the, it's, I don't know if you'd call it spoken word. I think it is, but, um, there's a, um, Gosh, I I normally don't bring my phone out during episodes, but I I really don't remember the name of the band. Um, a band called Good Luck Varsity. Okay. It's called Blood Medicine, and it's this whole spoken word story. And it basically just it's essentially sort of like a it's kind of like the gospel in a way. Yeah, but it's not in a church. It's a it's it. I'll let you hear it before you leave. Okay. It's pretty epic, and I feel like any uh just if anyone ever wanted to like have a great format for hey that's a non-cheesy way to do a sure. spoken word it's a great great yeah. great example of of it and um it actually inspired me to there's this woman i know i tried to help her out a little bit by uh she writes poetry but like never records that it, it's just written down sure. you know so i had an idea because she's always buying her buying merch her name's denise winter mm-hmm. she always always buying my merch always sharing my stuff just a really great fan yeah wonderful lady and um you know, it's like, you know what, I'm going to do something for her. And I went on Splice and I made like a, you know, and just made like a basic, real simple instrumental, almost yeah. like more of a rap beat yeah. and just read one of her, you know, um, just read one of her poems, yeah, you know, and cool. I was like, and it actually came out really cool. And I sent it to her and it was like, you know, she it meant a lot to her. And it got me thinking like, man, I want to do more of this. Yeah. And, you know, shoot, I want to start rapping. And <laughs> that was the last thing yeah. people need from me. Actually, my next single, I actually read, actually do read something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I don't want to give too much away about it just yet, but when is, yeah. When is that coming out? I don't know. It went to master yesterday. Oh, so cool. yeah, I just got the final mix back. And you know, the worst part about the final mix when you send it to master is like driving in this morning, listen to it going like, well, maybe I would change this, change that. Yep. So, but it's the constant. Yeah. And I, you know, what it is, I, I've just come to learn that, okay, look, some mornings my ears are going to be more sensitive to certain things Yeah, and that's okay. Um, and the truth is, is that, uh, you know, again, if you, I've had Tom Jackson in here and he's talks about even live show, but even listening to real recordings your fans are not listening to the mix mm-hmm. your, your producer friends musician friends are yeah so relax yeah i mean one of my worst mix songs is probably one of the one of one of, one of people who are my fans are it's their favorite song sure. and it's probably mixed terrible yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah so i mean the spoken word thing can be powerful and and, and i i feel you like you want to write this timeless thing for your kid yeah. it's it it's a it's a challenge because you're like I think that you're a lot of times we think too much about um um I think we think too much about like uh, oh well like what's this going to mean to him when he's 30 you know what yeah. I mean and um I think a cool idea might be have you started this or not mm-hmm. oh you have okay yeah. so what do you, you kind of do like every year you do one Oh I don't know I haven't gone down that that road yeah. I just was thinking you know is my my pops he's he's still alive and he's still pastoring and he's still rocking and rolling and, you know, just like any dad, we had that relationship of he was my cop for a long time. Oh, okay. And I never did anything crazy as a kid. My big thing as a kid was I hated curfew. I broke curfew all the time. Yeah. Because I was like, yo, I'm out with, like, youth group kids. Like, we're not doing anything crazy. We're sitting at Taco Bell. Like, come on, man. And uh, then it hit that moment of cop, friend. And then when, like, poop hit the fan, he was like, instead of, Dad, I I can't tell you because I'm gonna get in trouble. It's like, Dad, I gotta I gotta go to you. Mm. So, right now, kind of the idea is 
the first half is him talking to me and then me flipping the script talking to Charlie. Oh, wow. And uh, That's cool. So just, but then also, like, I think as a, as a teenager, Charlie's not going to hear need to hear me be preachy at him as far as my opinions. So, like, it's, you know, run your race, don't be too proud. Don't follow mm. the crowd. Like, big, big, like, big mm. overarching things. But then the chorus, the, the chorus, if it's spoken word, you know what I mean? Is uh, um, obviously it's stuck in my brain so well. It's all about just listening. Yeah, I'm his father, but don't listen to my voice. Turn mm. off all of the noise. Mm. Don't listen to any other voice. Just listen to Jesus' voice. Don't even listen to my voice because your walk is going to be different than my walk. Yeah. So I can preach to you of what you think, what I think you need to do. But at the end of the day, you're not going to do that because. That's not your walk, right? So push out everything else. Yep. Yeah, I'm 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 in that mode with my 18 year old now. It's like, listen, I'm, you're asking me what I would do, or you're asking me what you should do. I can't tell you what you should do. I could tell you what I would do. I would tell you what the information you're giving me, the decision I'd make. Yeah. Um. Here's some things I don't think you're looking at. Oh, here's a th- some concerns that I don't think you realize. Some dangers that you don't realize. Sure. You got to make your own mistakes, you know, and uh, you know. Sometimes some of those warnings, all of a sudden you'll get one day like, hey, you know what? I, I know what you mean now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like that's gratifying and all, but it's like, you know, yeah, now, now maybe you know to, in the future to, 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 to heed that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, well, an idea I had, I had a long time ago and I kind of realized, man, like it's kind of late in the game to do this. But man, like if, as musicians or like even doing like spoken word type thing, I always thought it might be cool to like, okay, like child born right cool go in the studio and you do like a you know like just you know your thoughts like but like again in in a some way of a rhythmic way of Mm -hmm. like you know kids born so you're talking about hey kids you know and and like you know what what your hopes are what your concerns are what you're afraid of the kid right then every you know basically like do it year one year two year three like throughout their life yeah now this kid gets married now you hand them a disc year one year zero it's like dear son you you know you were just born yeah. and the hopes i have and da, 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 and then like the year uh, the, now you know then year one man this first year th- it was really tough for me as a dad i learned this and i learned this about myself and i learned this about you and here's what here's what i'm excited about and, da, da, and like it might be so cool because dude it kills me like as a as a as a dad now, like I'm I'm 41. My dad passed away. My dad was young. He was 58 when he died, wow. and it's like I was 23, and I would love to hear stories of what he was thinking, what that was like for him. Mm. You know, like my daughter was in a car wreck recently. She's totally okay, mm. but like the whole time I was thinking to myself, like, wow, I remember the the first accident I got into. I was 17. It was actually a very similar accident to what my daughter got into as far as the logistics of it in a way. Yeah. Um, and um, I was just like, wow, this is what he felt like. And, you know, I, and, and I spent a lot of time thinking my dad just didn't care. Yeah. You know, but I know he did. Sure. I remember his face. I remember the way his voice. I remember a lot of things he said that night. But it's like, man, I wish I had that opportunity to really understand or hear from him. Like, yeah, when that happened to you. Yeah. Man, this is what went through my brain. I would love that. And yeah. I think that trying to capture your thoughts and feelings in a recorded way for your kid that they can 
use, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're still alive or you're long gone yeah. is, I think it's huge. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's definitely something that yeah. I would, that I would like to, um, find a way to start doing at some point. I've even thought about chronicling like certain events in my kids' lives and just kind of getting down in front of a mic and just talk about them. Yeah, so they totally. have them. Totally. Um, but I might even bring my kids in as podcast guests and just, you know, hey, remember that time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's cool because, like, I remember my grandparents, all my grandparents, uh, my dad's dad was not a believer, not a great dude. Mm. My mom's parents were both pastors, and they actually passed away in a car wreck oh. driving to a hospital to see one of their congregation members. Wow. And this was in 95, so it was right when, like, internet was kicking off and but they had written a bunch of letters, um, you know, love letters back and forth to each other. So there's something about that looking back, not only the nostalgia, but going, oh, so they have they they have dealt with the same thing too. And uh, yeah, I'm a I'm big in this nostalgia, man. I love it. Mm. I love thinking like the memories button on Facebook. I, I'm a sucker for that. Of like, what did I do? And then you know, you see like ten years ago, you're like, I really said that stupid like. That was an idiot, but like, dude, I remember like probably about four or five years into my Christian walk. You know, I mean, I mean, I here I am. I mean, my, my life was entirely different. Yeah. You know, I mean, every top to bottom, different, different friends, different. You know, um, you know, di- different woman in my life. All everything was different, and it's like Facebook memory pops up. It's like that's not a good memory, or yeah, like, yeah. oh. I better go back and delete some of the stuff that I shared, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, just like, yikes. Sure. It's, it, but so <laughs> Facebook memories, uh, for me though, um, man, Facebook memories, they hurt sometimes. Yeah. You know, they, they pop up and it's maybe someone who's not in your life anymore. Sure. Or it's um, just something that you just like, man, I like that, that I'll never get, I'll never get to experience that again. Mm. They hurt sometimes. Yeah. You know, like I had a Facebook memory pop up from like, I had shared like a picture of me playing ice hockey and I, and hockey was my, was a a lifeline. That was a place I can escape to in my life when I was a, you know, high school was terrible for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't fit in with anybody. I, you know, um, I just didn't fit in with, with any of the cool kids. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have any of the same interest as 99% of the people in the school. Mm. My friends were at the rink or my friends were at, were at the dock fishing, you know, like that, that's where my friends were. And then most of them were older than me or went to different towns. Hmm. Um, so like hockey was just the place where, uh, you know, and, and it was the one place where I felt invincible, like yeah. give me the puck and it's, you know, I, I can make things happen. Yeah. I can, th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, analogies I can make to life on why it was so cathartic to sure. me. You know, um, you know, it's the, and it's the one place where, you know, I just didn't feel like the world could owned me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, I missed, I just missed a lot of it. I, yeah. Like I, I, I'm sorry, but like there are a few things in life for me that will ever give me the same feeling as, you know, getting the puck behind my own net and just taking off, burning three, four guys like like a joke and putting one right through the goalie's legs yeah. all day. Th- there's no greater feeling. There's just, like, you're unstoppable. Yeah. Like, you're imposing your will. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And um, it's tough to replicate, and sure. you miss that, and you miss the freedom 
you know, and there used to be this quote that I, um, I had a poster, it was beautiful poster and I can't remember all the words to it, but it was something about like, you know, you lace up your skates, you, you know, you grab your gloves, um, and you hit the ice and, uh, nothing else matters for the next couple of hours. And it's yeah. like, man, I remember that. Like literally you weren't thinking about anything else. You sure. weren't thinking about your girlfriend. You weren't thinking you about couldn't. your dad. Yeah. It's just, you were thinking about this game and what I'm going to do right now. That's yeah. that, that I can control. I can control me. I could not quit. I can hustle. I can ignore the scoreboard that we're losing. I, all I know is that in every moment I get to touch that ice, to touch that puck, I'm going to do everything I can to to do whatever it is that I, you know that I have happened. And like, man, that is just so cathartic. Uh, I think sports are important for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I just I'm grateful. So, like I said, seeing the memory of like, man, I haven't skated in years. I can't do it anymore. My knees are just. Knees, ankles, yeah. elbows, like my body is just broken. Good on you. <laughs> I, I have zero balance. Mm -hmm. So I've been skating, you know, multiple times. Yeah. Just, I suck so bad, dude. Mm. So imposing my will on skates, <laughs> they are imposing their will on me. Yeah. I'm the guy in the corner holding onto the wall. Sure, sure, sure. Man, again, I haven't skated in years. I, I mean, I, I, I stopped playing for a number of years, um, you know, just because that, that happens, you know. And then um, – bunch of guys were talking smack about how good you know, how they they get together on wednesday nights i was used to, i used, was a ups driver for about uh, seven years yeah. back in from uh 2003 to, to 2010 mm -hmm. a bunch of guys were just talking crap you know and i'm like oh, that's cool man i was like i i should come down and you know like show you guys that you know you, you how much you suck and they're just like yeah come down bro so you know i was like i think i'm gonna do it and um i you know i dug out my my old bag from storage and you know the the shorts the 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 hockey shorts didn't quite fit yeah you know everything else fit but those hockey shorts were embarrassing yeah. the skates i had were like so dull and i fell a lot that first time but you know what showed up to a pickup game with a bunch of ups drivers and i scored 14 goals that entire like the whole oh, time i was there boy. i was just like score score kept falling yeah. but Scoring. Yeah, even with like like dull skates, I was like, I was just like, yeah. hey, I still got this. I haven't played in years. I still got this. That's crazy. Um, so I started playing men's leagues again and stuff, and and open. It took about two years to actually get to where I once was, like yeah. skill wise, because yeah. it takes a long time to oh, get your endurance, your your leg strength. And um, then I made the mistake of joining this men's league, and you know, I was probably twenty, I don't know, maybe twenty six. Mm -hmm playing on a team full of like 19 20 year olds oh, yeah. you know and it's like um they wanted me to be their captain but i didn't want the responsibility and i kind of realized that like oh you see so you don't want to lead us okay and like they didn't respect me anymore mm. so like nothing i said mattered anymore yeah, because yeah. I, and and it just i just didn't want a leadership role and i i i it, it taught one thing it taught me in my life is this god has put me in god has given me a gift to lead and when I refuse to lead, I'm going to get trampled on. Sure. That's just what happens. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I want you in front. If you're not in front, you want to be in the middle, mm -hmm. you're, you're not, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. You know, um, this is your spot. This is where you got to be. That's it. Yeah. So it's like, I've learned a lot of when, when, it, when, when people expect me to lead, I am going to, I'm going to say yes. Sure. And, um, cause that, that's, that was terrible. They were, they were some great kids and, and, you know, it was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good opportunity for us to do some great things, but yeah. um, do you know? Um, do you know Tommy Iceland? Yeah, 
He's a, he's a skater. He's a hockey guy. He's really? always posting about it. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I just wish, like I said, I wish my body can handle it. And, it. and maybe it could. I mean, I lost a lot of weight two years ago, and I was, like, thinking, hmm. But, I mean, literally, I, I can't go play a show without, like, the next morning being like, wow, my knees Rickety. hurt so bad. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the bones. And sure. I'm just like, I just... I can't, I just can't yeah. do it. And it's okay. That's fine. I mean, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, that's yeah. part of life, you know. And I'm not a hockey. I love baseball. I could watch baseball and play all day. I mean, I was pretty good as a little league player, <laughs> but I joined a church softball league like a couple months before I left for Nashville. Yeah. Thinking, oh, this is fine. It's not that bad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively, I'm kind of athletic. Dude, I was the worst player on the team. Really? Worst. I mean, they I could. really competitive. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I, to me, it was like a fun thing to do. These guys were like, Rah. they had this shortstop. They're like, hey, play first base because I, I can catch. You throw it, throw it to me, I'll catch it. Yeah. Right? So, like, the first game, I'm like, all right, cool. This guy who hadn't been any of the practices, right, you know, ball comes to him. I'm at first base, like, Good all right. Day. He's just like, and this ball comes at me faster than anything I've ever seen. I'm like, whoa. And you, I mean, you heard a, this softball go yeah. through the air. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, what the hell are you throwing at me? Like, <laughs> ball went behind me. Everyone's screaming at me. I'm like, yo, you guys need to relax. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, relax. Um, another game I had like, uh, you know, I had, so I had like kind of turned a certain way. And my, I felt my knee do something. And I, right away, I'm like, ah, I'm going to grab my knee. You know, everyone's still screaming at me. Because the ball, someone threw they someone threw the ball while I was in mid, like, all my knee hurts. <laughs> mid scream. Yeah. And they're just like, get off. What are you doing? Like, the hey. Church I got hurt. Yeah, dude. That's Presbyterian hilarious. church. So, you know, they're only like, you know, I'm just kidding. But they were Presbyterian <laughs> church. And, yeah. you know, look, I end up leaving, leaving after like four or five games because I'm like, look, I, I, you. you guys take this way too yeah. seriously. And honestly, like, I, I just don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Um. You know, I, this was to me. I just took this as this is fun. Yeah, it's just you know, hanging out. Just hanging out. But no, they're just like, you know. Ah, I mean, literally, I ended up it, really to me. I ended up on a on a phone call with one of the guys to be like, "What's your problem?" I actually, this guy, uh, his name was um, named Huang, um, and he just, I don't know, like Irish guy. He, no, he's a <laughs> you know it, it, Asian. I'm not sure what you know what uh, like. You know yeah. exactly what Asian, but um, Asian dude, and and you know, cool, good dude. But like during the games, he's just a complete idiot to yeah. me. And I'm finally, I called him. I'm like, hey, dude, like out of anyone on this team, like I have it's so much respect and love for you. What happened? You know, and he just was like, you know, told me all these things that I apparently have done to him. And I'm like, what? None of that happened. What are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, you don't even. You call me Juan. My name's Huang. And I'm like. Dude, I your name is Huang. And he goes, it's Huang. And I'm like, that's what I'm saying. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. I got to go. Oh you know, now, I mean, I've seen him since. He's actually come to some of my hometown shows. And we're yeah. cool. It's fine. It was yeah, just yeah. like, what what happened here, man? Soft, it just wasn't people apart. It just wasn't for me, man. It just was not. Yeah. Wasn't my, it wasn't my cup of tea. When Green, before we left last year, Greenville had a team. And I played. <laughs> and they had really nice feels. It was the first time, like, any church field I played on, it was always like the bad field. You know, you're rolling ankles Every time. all the time. Oh yeah. But I remember like and rain puddles, fenced in, mm. and I'm thinking like, Jesus, if I can get a home run, I'll hang it up. Yeah. So, bro, we were getting pummeled by this team, 
Mm. And I'm just, I'm just swinging for the fences. And I said, all right, here we go. This is like probably the last game of the season or whatever. And I connected. You know how when you hit it perfect mm-hmm. and it's you don't feel like you hit it, but it just takes off? Yep. And I hit it. And I remember going, oh, my God, it's about to happen. There it goes. This dude out in left field climbs the fence. No. Caught it. Ah. Uh, so, like, you know, you're shaking hands with everybody. And I see him coming. I'm like, oh, be nice. Show Tell me you hit him. Juice. Tell me you hit him. So I just walked by him, and I, just, I like, pulled him close. And I'm like, I want to say so many things to you right now. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Him. I didn't really want you to hit him. but no. Oh, I wanted to. Bad. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I, you know, I... I <laughs> I've been there, you know. I've uh, I've been on the receiving end of that too. I mean, you know, I've scored, you know, I've scored some lucky goals. I mean, I, I played roller hockey uh, years ago. Um, God, I probably it was probably like 18, 19. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we beat like the own the owner of the of the place. Like we beat his team. Like it was a th- it was a three it was in the finals three game series. Yeah. They destroyed us like twenty to two. Oh, the f- game one, we're like, oh my gosh, we're like, w- w- what are we supposed to do? Like we had never, we had never got beat like that. Yeah. And um, and the truth is that we we were a team full of individuals. You know, game two, like their couple of superstars didn't come, so we 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 pummeled them. Sure. So game three, you know, it's like, look, they're gonna they all they got you no, know, they had all their stars back. I'm like, look, they got their stars back. They actually thought it was gonna be an easy win last time. I'm like, guys, we need to play together. Yeah. So we we played together for a bunch of individuals. You know, we usually we're all usually like the big guy on all our teams. Mm-hmm. We came together and man, we finished this thing and uh, we went into overtime. Like this is like what you dream of, right? Yeah, it's yeah. overtime. Um, you know, and it was four on four hockey, and it was like, okay, we. So they decided, okay, we're gonna end this quick. So they line up three three people up front to one, and we're like, you know, uh, so we like, you know what? We're gonna put all four up on the front line. No defense, you know, like do or die, baby. Go for it. Yeah. So um, my center, who was Pete Leonard, he he looked at me. And he, there was a, we had a little signals. He would kind of tell me without telling me what he was gonna do. If he like winked at me, he was gonna chip it ahead. You know, if he smiled at me, he was going to drop it back. But so right away he winks at me, chips it ahead. I take off, and now it's me versus the defenseman. I go right through the defenseman's leg, come around, and now I'm I'm nervous, so I'm overhandling the, the ball, mm-hmm. the, the puck. Coming in, overhandling the puck, it like, t- it like starts to bobble and takes off on yeah. me. So now I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm just like, Rah! realize I blew my chance to have – and. Like it's right along the the goal line. I'm in the corner. I just take the puck, ugh, like backhanded at the goal, like blindly because I'm mad. Hits the goalie, goes in. Oh no! Yeah, way. goalie's like, no, come on, because you know it was an easy play for him. Sure. But he just went to tender it, and it just went dink in. Oh. And the whole so I I've gotten that moment. It That's was amazing. Hilarious. But that goalie come up to me after, and he's just like, you were so lucky, <laughs> so lucky. And hey, luck. Whatever you want to call it, you know, it's That's skill. It was, hey, I had the presence of mind to put it on net. That's the goal. That's right. Put it on net, and you never know what's going to happen. So, have you been to a Predators game? Uh, no, hmm. I have not. I've been to plenty of hockey games in my life, but uh, yeah. no. Part of the problem is, man, the Preds, it's, just, it's a lot of money. It is very, I can't for, the, for even nosebleed. Yeah. And um, I've been to Bridgestone for a bunch of different things, man. I, I don't know. That arena, if you're, unless you're like, you know, I think like 120 pounds soaking wet. Like the upper seats are like, forget Not it for you. I mean, even when I lost a lot of weight and I was looking good, I was able to shop at non-big and tall places. Yeah, yeah. And I went to a Monster Jam thing with my daughter, and I go to sit in a seat, and I'm like, 
my hip my hip bones yeah. won't go in. Yeah. What what is this? Yeah. You know, um, they, you know, they end up giving us better seats and stuff, but it's just like, man, it's like two hundred dollars a seat. Even yeah. it just tough. I would like. To, I've never been. Which, yeah. I mean, I want to go just because of the um, the chants that they do. You know, it's all your fault. It's okay. all they do that to the goalies. No, I don't think that. Do they? Yeah, they throw the catfish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But man, nothing was better than the '90s when uh, the um, it was the Florida Panthers. There was this whole story about how one of the guys, uh, one of the guys killed a rat. They used to have rats in, that would be in the, uh, the locker room. Mm. So one of the guys, like a rat, like comes walk. They're all in the locker room, and a rat just kind of walks out in the middle of the room. So without skipping a beat, this guy Scott Mellenby on the team just walks up, slap shots the thing into the door, and kills it. <laughs> And they went on a 10-game – actually, I think he had a hat trick that night with the exact same stick. Oh, my word. He scored three goals. They won. They won on, like, a 10-game win streak after it. The fan, You know, the, the, the like, in one of the interviews, someone told him, like, yeah, you know, Scott Mellenby killed a rat the other night, had a hat trick, right? So they started throwing plastic rats on oh, the ice. That's awesome. And, dude, that whole season was incredible. Like, they went to the – I think they even went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Dang. And they lost. But, dude, like, they'd score, and you'd see the go- – like, the goalie would – kind of duck down into the net and just it, look it up dude it's the craziest thing just raining plastic rats That's and they had so made a uh, they made a rule that after that year like if there's a penalty if you throw things on the ice yeah. they've sort of rescinded it a little bit um uh, like to to that degree because i mean literally it was just hunt thousands of yeah. plastic rats thrown down they, they still sell plastic rats in the um you know in in that stadium yeah. as a thing but there's just that was a special season to watch. It was take pretty forever wild. to clean up the game. Oh yeah, it would it would definitely slow the game down. Yeah, it was Goodness wild. Gracious. But dude, this has been fun. It's been awesome to have you on. Yeah, and man. man, it just you you're definitely one of those guys where there's just so much we could talk about. So we'll have to have you on again for sure. Yeah, just let me know, bro. But dude, it, this was this was a good hang. So um, I guess uh, where can if people want to connect with you, follow you, hear your music, where where can they do all that? Yeah, everything's on Spotify. Um, just Zach Loomis, Z-A-C-H-L-O-O-M-I-S. And then uh, Instagram is I am Zach Loomis. You'll just see boring pictures of my life with nothing going on and then a picture of my kid. And uh, yeah. But yeah, so next season, just writing songs and serving the church and loving life, man. Very cool. So do you have any, any music on the horizon soon? Uh, so yeah, so the publisher I work for, BC work with and work for um i signed my deal right before the pandemic hit like a week before the world shut down so i made a couple calls and i said hey i know like it's just a year contract but we are extending it because no one's doing anything uh so just writing a lot of songs with other uh, worship artists and non-worship artists too um that should be coming out hopefully soon just you know how it is you just release a bunch of songs go go yeah make friends and, yeah, uh, that's. I mean, that that's that's always been my game plan. Go try to book shows, kind of go out there, and yeah. you know, early on in my career, one of my goals was to, um, you know, I wanted to get signed. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do all that stuff, and yeah. um, you know, this the this industry has spoken loud and clear that that's not, you know, that's just not for me, and yeah. they, they they don't seem to want me, uh, and that's okay because yeah. I'm, it hasn't stopped me from doing what I do. So yeah. I've been enjoying that, and. Uh, it's been fun too because now I don't worry about you know hey is a label gonna like this song or is 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 a publisher gonna be like hey we want to pitch the song I don't even care anymore sure. now I I just put out the songs that whether I mean yeah. I'll 
You know, one release will be a pop song. Next one's a rock song. Next one could be a worship song. I just do what I want. Yeah, well, with everything changing so fast, like mm. the thought of being on a label would be it would be terrible. Yeah, you can you can do everything. Mm. You know, even if people don't, like, I don't know how to record anything. Go, you know, buy a laptop and you can record everything you want. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting because like, you know, you a lot of people I think, and I think the label the label route is is great. For me, the only thing I think being a, a label would help me is, you know, get me on, possibly get me on radio. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunities that literally they're like, oh, we, we only work with signed artists. We only, yeah. W- yeah. which to me is a shame because, man, there's a lot of solid indies out there. Totally. Solid. Totally. And they're missing it, man. And even the labels, it's like, hey, guys, you know, there's a whole farm system of people mm-hmm. that you could be cultivating. But instead, you know who I see get signed? Worship leader that's never written a song, that's never toured. Yeah. You're trying to turn that person into the next big thing, mm-hmm. and you don't know if they can handle it. Yeah. In, in two years, they might be like, you know what? The road was fun, but I want to have kids and a family, so I'm not yeah, doing that anymore. And me. you just invested a lot of money into somebody who hasn't proven a thing. Totally. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I, know, I know I sound jaded and salty, but at the end of the day, well, sure, I came here trying to get attention and trying to build something, and I have. Yeah. And nobody wants, you know, I feel like it's a I feel, what, here's what I feel like. I feel like I'm one of those brands that go on Shark Tank and all the sharks go, you know, for that reason, I'm out. And yeah, it's like, yeah. okay. And then I go and I'm Okay, I'm still gonna build a thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay, um, and you know, again, I, it, whatever. I, you know, again, the, the, there's something they're looking for, and and I'm not it, and that may be a good thing, even. hundred so, percent. You know, totally, 100%. totally it. So, and I've walked down that road with, like, you know, yeah, you're not alone in that. But, and to be fair, it's fine. I mean, I think really what the norm is, and you know, I've, I've had a couple people even say this to me, like, man, you know, when you talk about music, like, you don't talk about it the same way most do. And because I love to tour, I love to perform, I love to do that. Yeah. I'm not super passionate. I like to song, right? But I'm not super passionate about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I like, I don't read a ton of songwriting books and things like that. I just don't. Yeah. Um, a lot of my songwriting just comes from, I, I'm the guy who comes in a room with an idea. Yeah. And then I'm usually, a, I'm good at kind of going, hey, well, if we really want people to feel that, we should do it. We should yeah. approach it this way. Yeah. I'm very good on the emotions of music because yeah. that's what music is. It's 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 100%. focus on how it sounds and how it feels yeah. more than what it looks like written on paper. Yeah. And so I always love to surround myself with the guys who know theory. They know those things to structure it. Yeah. And I'm always like, well, we need to humanize that. It's yeah. a little too robotic. Balance it out. Yeah. So totally. I so I, I definitely have a skill set, yeah. but it's just one of those things where songwriting is just like the idea of pitching songs to me was always like, huh? I mean, I've had some fellow uh, independent artists cut stuff I've co-written, sure. and that's cool. I yeah. love that. I almost love that more than put my own songs out. It's like, yeah. hey, I helped write that. Yeah. But um, like Jonathan Jackson, a friend of mine, he just released an album, and uh, one of the songs we initially wrote the song with, like, it was like, hey, I'm I'm looking for songs, and we mm-hmm. wrote it, and it was like. Yeah, it's just not quite what I want to do sure. uh, as a single because I only put out singles. It's just yeah. kind of the t- the vibe. So, but uh, man, again, we we could probably do like four hours here, but I'm gonna cut you loose. And yeah, man. Uh, man, it has just been this has been fun. I really enjoy you, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me, man. And I look forward to uh, hearing more stuff from you. And you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe uh, next time we get together, we'll you'll be talking about uh, more than one kid. Okay. And- <laughs> Well, let's see, see what your wife has to say about that. <laughs> All right. Well, man, God bless you and uh, look forward to big things. So yes, sir. that's you, official. 
wrap it. 